Hey guys, welcome back to Beer Buddies. Uh, we got a Sierra Nevada uh, brewery spotlights, which uh, maybe to some people seems a little bit odd because we're typically a uh, you know a microbrew type of podcast, but we're really a craft beer podcast, and Sierra Nevada is still craft beer. Like there's a little tier <laughs> list for beer, right? Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, Sierra Nevada is craft beer. beer. Yep. Uh, Sam Adams, they're still a craft, the craft brewery, right? They make mm-hmm. craft beer. Yingling. Uh, Yingling, right? For, for like, who knows why it's still considered a craft brewery. Yep. And then Budweiser, <laughs> no, they're well beyond yeah. the uh, Anheuser Busch. Rather, they're well beyond the scope of. They're trying though. They they bought Lagunitas. They bought a couple other smaller uh, breweries. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to get into the game, which I actually respect about uh, Budweiser is when they bought Lagunitas, they said, "Don't change your model. Yep. Keep your beer the same." Yep. Which I respect. I really respect that a lot. Yeah. Same thing happened with Ballast Point. Like Ballast Point, like the the model was the same. Uh, and Sculpin's still wildly overpriced. Yes. <laughs> um, and who's buying Grapefruit Sculpin? If you're buying Grapefruit Sculpin, you should not buy yeah, Grapefruit they really Sculpin. Don't, please it. don't. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Parks and Rec, but they had a, like a dinosaur-themed, like it was a Jurassic Park-themed restaurant. And then uh, hmm. they uh, went to look at this other like property, and it was a closed-down restaurant, and it was Schindler's List. What? Because it was a Spielberg I don't remember that episode. I've, I've uh, loved Parks yeah, and Rec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they oh. were like, I think you I think you missed what actually made <laughs> the first restaurant successful. It wasn't Spielberg. It was the dinosaurs. And that's how I feel about, like, Sculpin. Like, Sculpin mm. wasn't so popular because, like, you're like, oh, I want more grapefruit. Like, how about grapefruit Sculpin? Like, how good? That's... Pineapple Sculpin. It's, it's better than grapefruit Sculpin. You know what's funny? They did a lot of variants on just Sculpin. If you live in NorCal, excuse me, if you live in NorCal, uh, sorry, that's the burping is part of the experience, right? <laughs> uh, if you live in NorCal, you're close enough to Ballast Point, where we had, I don't know, three or four variants on the shelves at any time. Yeah. The regular Sculpin, Grapefruit Sculpin, they had Aloha Sculpin. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they called it Aloha Sculpin. It was just unfiltered. Yeah. They're like, hey, it's our hazy. We're going to call it Aloha. I'm like, you make it in SoCal by Miramar. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Anyway, so. The funny part was, they even came out with that that habanero or was it jalapeno chili sculpin mm-hmm. that was really spicy, and like you and I went to Ballast Point, and like some of their best beers were like crazy. Like um, they made like this IPA that was uh, aged in like white wine barrels, mm-hmm. and like this other. They used like a Chardonnay. Yeah, yeast and I was like, like, yeah, why don't you market that stuff? Like people <laughs> like Sculpin. You're known for Sculpin, but like I think the menu had like thirty or forty beers on it. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, and all these really great things, and the menu for the food was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> um, like why? Why are you only pushing out a small little portion of your beers? Yeah, actually, I think that's the new Glory model. Before they were uh, expanding or bought out or whatever happened to them, they had a couple of beers. They had like two. Like, Track 7 is kind of the same with, like, you know, um, the Track 7 Panic. You had Left That Right Eye. And then, actually, I think Sierra Nevada is, if we're, we're talking about Sierra Nevada, the pioneer of this model. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was available everywhere, all over the country. My grandfather took a train from, uh, like, um, Montreal to, 
Toronto, the the Via Rail in Canada. It was like a, a, a special thing he would do with his his wife, my grandmother, and they had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. You go to any ballpark, baseball, you know, any any bar, you know, like like an Outback Steakhouse mm-hmm. or Denny's, they have Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It is the staple. You know, we had an episode one of one of my personal favorite episodes we did. We had Miles on where we talked about the the. Uh, Perceived staple of every single style we could think of, mm-hmm. as far as like most common styles that are commercially produced, and mm-hmm. that was—I mean, it's that's the staple pale ale, and yeah. in America specifically. Well, the interesting part is you go to anywhere and you say Sierra Nevada, any any part of the country, they'll give you a pale ale, mm-hmm. and we just talked about this selective. Uh, marketing or selective uh, distribution, right, of beers. We've both been to the original Sierra Nevada brewery, which is in Chico. And not only during the tour, they have you know, 13, 14 beers on draft. You get a full tasting and, and a walkthrough and, and all this stuff. For you, free. Go, you go to the restaurant, and there's like 30 to 40 beers on tap for all kinds of stuff that they make that you never see in stores. It's just at the brewery. Yeah. It's a very, very weird... I guess maybe um, niche successful or like marketing campaign that a lot of these uh, craft brewers do. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Especially right? if this is Sierra Nevada. Yeah, or, or Sam Adams uh, Boston Lager. I mean, they try to branch out. They, they, they own a bunch of stuff. But if you talk about Sam Adams, which Sam Adams are people going to give you if you go to a restaurant and say, hey, I want a Sam Adams? They're going to give you Boston Lager. Even, I'll even do you one better. If you go to a restaurant and say, pour me an Oktoberfest. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? You didn't have yeah. to name the brewery. Yep. It's Sam name, Adams. It's Sam Adams. Isn't that insane? <sighs> yeah, but that's the crazy part is like these breweries that are that were considered craft in America, they're huge. But they're huge. Like imagine if Budweiser, like this is actually not too many years ago. This is back in like you know, maybe three or four years ago when you and I were still in the beer game. Budweiser was known for Bud, Bud Light, maybe Bud Light Lime. Mm-hmm. Now, they come out with all kinds of crazy stuff. They have uh, Bud Light uh, soda-flavored hard seltzers. They have Bud Light, um, like a zero-calorie version of Bud Light. They have, like, the Bud Light Platinum. They have the Budweiser, the Bud Light Supreme. Budweiser, uh, you know, what are they, I want to call it, like, uh, retro, but it's like a Budweiser, um, almost like an antiquity version of, like, this, the bottles they used to have. There's all kinds of Budweiser, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, in any case, it's pretty insane how big brewers can get and still maintain. They can be say, oh, we drink craft beer. Mm-hmm. Typically, people are, are referring to microbreweries or nanobreweries and everything underneath mm-hmm. that. Local. Very local. Local yeah. and one-off. Mm-hmm. One-off batches, right? Yeah. But, you know, you and I have returned to the bigger craft breweries periodically and they're sort of the tried and true right like yeah. it's easy to get burnt out with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale because you know it's there all the time and it's easy to sort of take it for granted but then when you come back to it it's all reliable mm-hmm. all reliable and so uh, I had to ask you've said this before but maybe not for the the podcast listeners your one beer does it all what would you drink if you had one 
rest of your life, what would it be? So if I could only drink one beer for mm-hmm. the rest of my life, no matter what the occasion, if I was going to have a beer, it had to be this beer, mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada Pale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd have to agree. Hoppy uh, enough to where yeah. it, would, it would fix my IPA mm-hmm. bug, you know, hoppy enough. Right? It's got some bite to it, yeah. But it's also well balanced, and so uh, I could... I could live with it as far as it covers some, a lot of bases. Yeah, and it's um, what do we say? Crushable. Oh yeah. On a hot day like today, like so today in, in, in good California, all seasons, right? all seasons is good. Okay, so I, I retract my previous statement of being today it was very hot. It, yes, I agree. It's it's good in cold weather. <laughs> we've had it at the source. We've had it on tap. We've had it in kegs and bottles, which are two different recipes. Sure. Right. There's never a bad time for Sierra Nevada Pale, though. Yeah, hundred percent. And if there's a, you know, like when I go to a barbecue, and people say, "Oh, because you know, when you and I go places, people know we're the beer people. Either mm-hmm. the people we're going to the barbecue, like we either know the people at the barbecue who know we're coming, mm-hmm. or a friend of a friend has said, by the way, this guy's really into beer, and people fear <laughs> feel very, very compelled to. I don't know what you're laughing about. So I'm, right. I'm laughing at because we, we may or may not be vampires. Um, <laughs> Based on the bar we up to. <laughs> um, oh, good times. Anyways. <laughs> and, uh, people feel compelled to try and buy certainly nice beer or decent beer. Yeah. To accommodate their, I'll say, anxiety-ridden... Well, your your need to impress, right? Right. You don't want to have a barbecue and have like you know fucking Coors Light as your only. Well, you would until the beer guy's coming, right? And then you're like, oh fuck, I better get something nice. And so they go, hey, there's beer, there's beer in the there's beer in the cooler. Like, okay, great. And you open up the cooler. It's white claws and and (laughs) it's white claws and Bud Light and Bud and maybe Coors Light instead of Bud Light, or maybe it's white claws, Coors Light, and Bud Light. Uh, and you're like, oh, bro, okay. what am I gonna do? But then, then there are some 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 variants, right? Maybe there's a Boston Lager, maybe there's a Blue Moon. Mm, uh, Blue Moon's a stretch, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> agreed, agreed. Okay, but for for the average person, that's good beer. It's different beer. It's yeah, agreed. Yeah, and, I would uh, say it's different beer. Most people don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh, Okay, so it's hold on, Sam Adams, Blue Moon, uh, Lagunitas IPA, frequent frequents the ice chest for those people. Okay, okay, so that is, and I, then probably Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. But here's the funny part: when you say, "Hey, I got Sierra Nevada in my cooler," people are going to probably think, "Oh, it's a really hoppy beer," because that's kind of what Sierra Nevada was known for, right? Back in the late '80s, the owner came up with this Pale Ale recipe, which is like one of the first kind of earthy hoppy beer recipes, like for mass production like, like mm-hmm. distributed so it's kind of funny is Lagunitas is a little bit hoppier <laughs> than Sierra Nevada Pale Ale but if you say Lagunitas like oh good that's that's a good beer and you say Sierra Nevada I'm like oh that's probably pretty hoppy even though Lagunitas is the, the regular Lagunitas IPA is hoppier than Pale Ale if you look at the IPU right yeah and so um, you know frequently I have found in you know, for the average beer drinker, there's no shame in this, but for the average beer drinker, you and I are typically not enthused by the beer selection at a barbecue in the context mm-hmm. of we're looking for the best craft beer available. 
However, and, and the context of going to a barbecue and just kicking it back with friends, mm-hmm. I'm not trying, you know what I mean? Like, I'm there for the yeah. people and there for the experience, and if mm-hmm. I can have a decent beer while I'm there, all the better. Like, I'm really not in, in that moment, I'm not in it for the beer. But, if there's a Sierra Nevada in the ice chest, given most of nice. the other options, I usually grab the Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, actually, I'll say this, I don't ever, if the Sierra Nevada's in there, I won't ever grab Lagunitas instead of the Sierra Nevada. But if it's between Boston Lager and Lagunitas, I might waffle a little bit, depending on if I'm in the mood for an IPA. So, we have to give some credit, and and Lagunitas has been branching out a little bit. The the regular, the straightforward Lagunitas IPA is a good IPA. There are a couple of something, the the something special or something different, whatever. There's a bunch of them I can't remember off the top of my head right now. A little something something's good. A little something something's good, but there's like a something peachy and there's like a something hoppy. There's like different variations. Mm. Those are really good. They're not quite session IPAs, but they are small batch, like very small run, uh, like your your traditional craft style. They're very, very good. And I don't think Lagunitas is known for those beers as much as they are for their straightforward Lagunitas IPA with a dog picture on the box. Uh, when you compare that to Sierra Nevada, just kind of funny. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, people would lump in with that Lagunitas IPA, which is technically an IPA, and, and, and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is a Pale Ale. Their Torpedo, uh, or the Tropical Torpedo, would probably be more comparable mm-hmm. to Lagunitas, but Agreed. people don't connect those dots. So, uh, if, if we're looking in like a ice chest, uh, unfortunately, one of my favorite summertime beers is uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay. And you're never going to see that at barbecues. No one, no one gives a shit. I'll tell you what. Next time they're at a barbecue, I'll put some cans of PBR in the but access for you. <laughs> you, won't, you won't be disappointed. That's my point. It's a very complex. It's a very good, cheap American lager. So that's, that's kind of the funny part. Like, like craft beers, when you think craft breweries in, in the United States, the mass distributed ones, you're thinking stuff that's hoppier. Like Sierra Nevada, Lagunitas, um, I want to say uh, Founder Session IPA. Mm-hmm. It's a very common one. Boston Lager, I would say, is a little bit hoppier than your, your average, like almost like an amber lager. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of, of hoppier beers. Yeah. So when you think like craft brewery, you automatically go hoppy, right? Yep. Not always the case, but it's pretty. Typically, it's like seventy five percent of the time. I think, like especially yeah. on the West Coast, that's been the way it's been. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and grab beer. Uh, yes. At the fridge. Uh, did you have? What are we starting with? I was gonna change cups as well because you have a plastic party cup, and I have a very fancy Firestone Walker Bullish. Uh, you know, so are you changing glass. the plastic or am I changing the glass? We are gonna change. <laughs> We can Two of these. 
Michigan Sorry, I'll tell you, I gotta pee really quick too, but. Alright. <laughs> I'll tell you the story after. I think it All right, what do we got? What are we starting with? We are starting with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. <laughs> I guess technically we started with uh, thank you very much from a uh, very Dust strong IPA, dear God. Yes, a quad. Uh, we split that and immediately it was like, woo, woo, yeah, <laughs> is right. So it, uh, the quad IPA, as it's labeled on the board at Dust Bowl, is actually a mega IPA, and I've actually had two of their mega IPAs lately. I actually I like it. I, the first IPA was better. The first Mega. They're good. This one was uh, quite a bit hoppier than I expected, um, but still good. But very very strong. It's like drinking wine. And if we're talking about barley wine. You want to? No, I forgot. Okay. I'm used to splitting them, and then I okay. poured half, and then realized we're we're going so, full. So here's the thing. Jordan and I both really like Sierra Nevada. Like I I don't. I don't know if there's any other brewery that, like, maybe Track 7 that we've really been emotionally invested in. And I had to jump ship because of COVID because New Glory kind of sold out and they're... they're oh, yeah, they, Are you they, on the Track 7 they, they team kinda, now? They kind of broke my heart, yeah. So... Uh, oh, man. We'll, we'll take you. We'll love okay. you just the same. But Sierra Nevada has always... Actually, so I was supposed to give you the Sierra Nevada glass. I just want you to you know... Ace hardware glass. Uh, well, I haven't drank from it. We can change. <laughs> I was trying to give Sierra Nevada uh, Ultra Vez uh, Special Edition glass to Jordan it? here. I'll trade you. I got you. I got one more somewhere. Uh, I will oh. tell you that thank you for joining the team. Miles <laughs> on the podcast says that Track 7 is the best brewery in Sacramento as well. Love you, Miles. Fuck you, Logan. Um, <laughs> it's so much better now that Logan knows about it. I'm not yeah. even going to lie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think we should say that we had a, a gathering last week where everyone was in town. Jordan's finally back here, by the way. Back. And, uh, of course, we had to get the gang back together, and uh, Logan actually had no idea that Jordan's been saying, fuck, fuck you, Logan. Logan, for like two years <laughs> now. Oh, it was so great. He wasn't even upset. That was my favorite part. He wasn't even sad. No. Even later in that recording, he, he says it himself. 
Oh, but yeah, that's, that it was going to be an episode, but now uh, having listened to it, we we thought it's, better of it, and it's it's a it, big old mess. It's <laughs> and, just just for the boys, and, right? Sometimes uh, you just got to have something for the boys. But right. do you want to change glasses? Because this is a standard about a glass, and that's a Rivercats glass. Because you're technically not. I mean, well, you kind of are, but this is this is a hometown glass. Yeah, River Cats. Bro, I was born and raised here. Right. What the fuck you mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have to drink quartz, bad luck. Yeah, man, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I go away for school uh, for three years, and you're like, oh no, yeah, you're only gone for three years. I was <laughs> in and out of town. Don't act like. I appreciate so, this. So, so okay. So a few years ago, this is the, the funny part. Before you and I started really getting into Sierra Nevada, I worked next door to a Goodwill. I don't know if you remember that the pizza shop. I worked next door. Oh, yeah, yeah. To a Goodwill, mm-hmm. and so I'd go in there every once in a while, look for stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in there one day, and I found two Sierra Nevada glasses that looked very, very old. It's like, oh, sweet. I found some vintage Sierra Nevada glasses. Their vintage means it's more than 50 years old. Like, yes! And I bought them for like $1.50 each, and I have them in my cupboard. And we went and did the tour. Like, yeah, Sierra Nevada started in 1980-something. Like, damn it, they're only 30 years old. (laughs) They're not vintage. At that point, it was more like, they're only 25 years old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They weren't vintage. (laughs) And I had no idea that Sierra Nevada was so new compared to all these other breweries we've been drinking, like Hams and Olympia... Paps, Coors, Miller, you know, they're, they're all from this, this 50s, 60s era. Sierra Nevada started 30 years after that, you know, some guy who, like, learned how to homebrew from his neighbor in his backyard. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, throw, out, I'll throw it out this way, that uh, I think Sierra Nevada is sort of like the Neil Pert of beer. <sighs> yeah. Like, really, as far as, of craft beer specifically, like... Neil Peart and Rush, right? Neil Peart was a drummer for Rush. Um, Rush wasn't a mainstream band in the sense that, like, if mm-hmm. you think of, like, iconic bands, if you're yeah. not an avid music person, you don't think Rush. You'll think the Beatles or the Stones. Or, you know, yeah. like, you don't think Rush. But for what those guys did for music and what Neil Peart did for drumming and being considered probably to date the greatest drummer of all time. Like, if you had to name the greatest craft brewery of all time... I mean, at least for us being on the West Coast, even I'll reframe the question. If you had to name the most influential brewery in the Sacramento area for our craft beer scene, it'd be Sierra Nevada. It's not even oh, close. Oh, for sure. It's not even close. But that's the other thing, too, is, is to compare it to, to Rush is a good comparison because Rush had a small label. They became famous by playing many, 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 many shows. They got themselves out there. They played the music. They didn't... Uh, do any large contracts with large labels for advertisement I think Sierra Nevada did the same thing I said hey we're making this beer and they slowly got people to try it It, my interpretation from the multiple times we've done the tours is that they've done a natural or uh, they call it in the industry organic growth Mm -hmm. of people that like the beer okay you like the beer go over to your hometown or go back to where you're from and ask for that beer at your restaurants or at your you know whatever like you know a railroad system is a big one uh, on the airplanes, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So, if you like the beer from our region, go to back to where you're from and ask for that beer. It will increase demand, and then they can increase distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a kind of organic thing. I, I don't think I've ever seen Sierra Nevada advertisements on TV. I've never heard them on the radio. I've never seen them no, online. but you can buy right? it in all 50 states. Yep, yep. 
they even have two batches, two recipes of this beer to accommodate that, right? And so this is 5.6%. I'm going to double check to make sure I got it right. The, the bottle is 5.6. It's 5.6, five, 5.7, five, something like that. Is this it? is 5.6, and yeah. then the draft is 5.0 because to get it to be available on draft in Utah, you can't mm-hmm. have draft beer over 5% in Utah. Yep. But that that's the funny part, too, is if you've ever noticed how different Sierra Nevada tastes on draft if you go to any restaurant, even in California, around here, it's because it is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different recipe. Um, they, they don't just uh, sell beer only to Utah. They do the draft recipe to all 50 states and the bottle recipe to any states that will allow over 5%. Right? Now, what's so, confusing if you go to Sierra Nevada is not only is it, yes, like if you have all, like let's say you've only ever had Sierra Nevada in the bottle. And then mm-hmm. you go and you ever and then you have Sierra Nevada on draft at the brewery. Mm-hmm. I think that difference is going to be twofold because not only is the recipe different from draft to bottle, but having it at the source from draft to draft is oh, different. Oh yes. Um, yes. And so uh, I remember Chris and I went to like there's my first Sierra Nevada tour, but Chris had done it a couple times. But at the beginning of the tour, they gave us a little sampler size of pale ale to sip on while we're watching this video. Mm. And Chris and I were confused because the whole week leading up to it, we had been drinking Sierra Nevada beer. That was right when, uh, what was it, Sidecar? That orange pale oh. Sidecar and Tropical Torpedo had just come out. It was the orange, yes. si- uh, it was a yes. orange pale ale and a tropical IPA. But Sidecar, wasn't that a different recipe of pale ale that wasn't... It wasn't pale ale. It, it was an orange pale ale. Yeah, it, so, so that, I think we asked about that. So torpedo, uh, tropical torpedo, and, and the, the sidecar recipe were not the same recipes. Right. And so uh, we, we went, and we had, been again, been drinking Sierra Nevada beer all week. We get to our tour, and we're mm. drinking this sample, and Chris looks at me and he's like, do you know what this is? He's like, I can't figure it out. And we've been drinking everything that's in the stores and we're so eager to find out what the new release is. And the guy's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure you guys have figured it out by now. You're drinking pale ale. I'm like, oh, shoot. We've got like three bottles each of pale ale this week. Like, this is... Uh, that was before we knew, again, bottle versus draft is different. But Chris and I have done enough research to know that draft versus draft, and not even just research, but just, you know, I'll call it field work experience, yeah. right? Like, in the field going... Yeah, having it on draft at a restaurant versus having it on draft in the brewery is also a different experience because of all the variables with storing and transporting. Yeah, and yep, it was explained to me this way that if you brew the beer, uh, you have a target, and hopefully you get a hundred percent, but sometimes you only get about ninety-eight of what you wanted because it's not even though it's automated, like your product, like you're working with live ingredients, and it's not always the same, but you probably get about ninety-eight percent of what you wanted. The second you keg it. You get 95% to 96% of what you want. Yes. If it's not transported correctly, now you're down to about 92, 93%. And then if it's not poured correctly, then you might even be under 90% of what that beer actually was upon the time it was brewed. And so going to the brewery, not even just for a Sierra Nevada, but in any Mm -hmm. case, is typically better because a lot of times breweries, like they just have their like fermentation tanks hooked up to the lines yeah. and they're pouring straight from the tank it's not putting it's not even it goes from the carboy to the tap yeah. sometimes like yeah. Rubicon used to do that right mm-hmm. that was a big thing with Rubicon we, we missed that though. yeah and um, so uh, oh 
Yeah, can really change your perception of like I, I for is me. Is that where you learned that from? Because you did the Rubicon. That's exactly tour. where I learned it from. Yeah, and so every time you handle the product, it loses a little bit of perfection. Yeah, which is right? why um, you know our like say what you want about Red Robin. I don't have a ton of nice things to say about like I don't have a ton of mean things to say either. But I'm not going to say like <laughs> oh, there's some things to say. So fantastic about. Red Robin, but the way they handle, first of all, your food, never seen food get messed with, despite the, like, the waiting movie. So food's good. Food's good. Yeah. And our truck drivers handled the beer. Huh. And after going to Rubicon, being a beer guy, like, I took, like, I was in charge of the keg room maintenance stuff, as far as, like, I would just pull the kegs out and clean it. And hmm. I would have, like, a stopwatch in my mind of, like, okay, I have X number of minutes to pull these kegs out, and if these like these beers were kept at a certain temperature, and if they're out of the keg room while I mop it for longer than 45 minutes, we at least run the risk of them being compromised. Maybe they yeah. wouldn't be compromised, yeah. but we run the risk. And yeah. then the next step was pouring it. Like, I took it, I took pouring the beer seriously after that talk of, like, yeah. if I'm really providing an experience, you know, like... And I don't think like you shouldn't be sending beers back just because it doesn't have the right amount of foam at Red Robin because you're kind and of a prude. But most people wouldn't know the difference anyhow. Right, well, you did. Right, but it yeah. does matter in the context. If it matters in the context of how to taste the beer, then mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm providing the best experience. And also, I, like these breweries, deserve to be represented in that way too. Yeah. But yeah. In any case, long way way of saying. Um, yeah, go to the, I would I would go. If you don't believe me that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale tastes wildly different than Sierra Nevada, make the drive to Chico and go. Well, you and I have been... It's, I don't know if that's where it came from or if it came from our uh, initial um, experiences going straight to the brewery. But at the source, is always the best way to taste any beer that comes out. So like, I would agree. Any of the anniversary parties that we've gone to, any of the beer week festivals we've gone to, to the specific breweries, it's always been the best way to try the beers. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So how's your pale ale? It's good. How's it it's always good. It's always good. You know, this is just that's such a good beer. Like, I think I've used pale ale to cook with. Uh, like you said, it's good on a hot day next to the pool. Um, I have a... Actually, so, so to your point, <clears throat> we, you and I were looking at a store recently, and, you know, the 12-pack of Pale Ale has been a thing, right? 20 bucks. it's just, that's kind of overpriced, maybe a little bit priced on point, but even during inflation, they haven't changed the much uh, of the price, so it's about 20, 21 bucks right now, uh, mid-summer 2022 in California. Uh, we just started noticing that there is a 28-pack? Is it 28? Or 32-pack of Sierra Nevada Pillow bottles. <laughs> it's a lot, whatever For 30 it is. bucks, right? Yeah, it's beyond the... Or maybe it's a 24-pack. Maybe. It's a double the 12. Okay, right? so... so but, 6, 12, and 24, I think. But it's around like 30 bucks. And then we were like, holy shit, a $30 pack of beer from Sierra Nevada. We looked at the count. I'm like, okay, you know what? If, I think you're the one that said it. If someone showed up to a barbecue with a 24-pack of bottles, like a like a box 24-pack of bottles of Sierra Nevada Paleo, like, all right, cool. We're yeah, actually, afternoon. yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be a nice day. We're going to just chill. <laughs> um, that's a cool That's a cool gig. That, yeah. I, I like that. We're just going to so. sit, sit by the pool, maybe do some swimming, grill some burgers, you know, and just vibe. But, yeah. Uh, God, you made me figure what I was going to say. Um which is interesting they did that because I didn't see any uh, 24 packs of cans 
which a lot of the state parks in California now have outlawed glass bottles. And a lot of the push for um, the craft breweries, small and large, to go to cans. Have you seen like a lot of the, the smaller, like they'll do a six-pack of cans instead of six-pack of bottles? Is because those are legally allowed to be taken on like camping trips or kayak trips. And so I thought that, that Sierra Nevada would have some sort of 24-pack of cans the same way. Because that would allow them to have, especially up in, in Chico. And we're not so much for the North Carolina, we haven't been there, but... It seems very outdoorsy, very athletic, very, you know, camping-oriented. You would want more cans instead of glass bottles for that type of the yeah. lifestyle, right? And that's kind of what they're pushing, right? Yeah. Agreed. No and complaints, but uh, that, that's kind of what I was expecting. We didn't see that. Oh, yeah. I can see it. I'm surprised Sierra Nevada has stuck with more of the... And I think this is where... Maybe we don't associate breweries like Sam Adams or Sierra Nevada with the craft beer market. So if you get mm. a if you get a pack of cans from Track Seven or even craft brewery, mm. what do you typically expect to get? Four or six cans, typically. Four pints or six twelves. So, right? but for the craft, like the microbrewery scene, I'm typically expecting to get four sixteens. Yeah. If they yeah. put it in six twelves, it's not an anomaly, but it is a little bit different. Now, well, if they put it yeah. in bottles, like, have you ever seen New Glory in the bottle? A twelve ounce bottle. The really heavy stouts, but not any of their their lagers, pale ales, IPAs, and not anything stuff. they distro, right? And so, yeah. like, you don't even see it in the stores. Yeah. Keep going. I might have an answer to your point, and I, I might have, um, and so I think that's part. Yeah. that's part of it. I think is that most most craft breweries like and Track Seven has changed this a little bit, which is why I modified my metaphor because I realized that like you can get a six pack of Blood Transfusion or Panic IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so check this out. I have a friend who makes wine, and. Uh, I won't name drop him on this podcast because I don't know how he feels, but he makes amazing wines. Amazing. He's a rock star winemaker. And he told me, as I did some filming and some photos for his, his brand uh, a couple years ago, um, he told me that there was a lot of research done that it, wine bottles, if you hold the bottle of wine and it's heavier than your competitor, most people will consider that to be a higher quality wine so they'll make the glass for some of the more expensive wines the glass is a little thicker mm. even though the wine weighs the same because you're talking about 750 milliliters of wine the glass right. bottle will be a little bit heavier and so he's and he- even if you could get an extra two pounds out of it which is a lot the so, average person so, holding a bottle with both hands is probably not going to feel it but that's the thing is he strategized uh some of his cheaper wines that he makes that are lighter easier to make cheaper the bottles are lighter and you compare his wines to other, like his, he's got two brands, or the little bit higher end brand, the more expensive brand, they weigh a little bit more. And so I wonder if that's some of the prestige or some of the, the, the legacy or nostalgia from beer drinkers of our age from generations past that drink bottles okay. compared to cans. They say, okay, so this is the reason why you can't, uh, well, in, in a lot of the West Coast states, you can't take glass bottles camping, but... The glass bottle beer market is still huge. There's a lot of glass bottles. And because mm-hmm. of the older generations, 
that's what they grew up on. And so maybe they still appreciate the glass bottle over the aluminum can. And then the second part of that, the, the other side of that, that coin is we have had a shortage or a hard time for a lot of breweries to get access to aluminum cans. So the aluminum can shortage has affected that a little bit. So that, that 24 pack of Sierra Nevada being bottles, not cans, maybe that's a little bit of a mixed bag, both of those issues. I mean, they also already have a bottling a bottling line, right? Yeah. So that's simple. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump into some tasting stuff because mm-hmm. we are trying something a little bit different with this episode where we are drinking something that is not only commercially available but should be available in for the next several weeks, certainly beyond mm-hmm. the point that this episode's coming out. So oh, yeah. they got cans and bottles of, I think, everything except for one of them. And you can get Sierra Nevada so. Pale Ale year-round. So even exactly. if, let's say, six months down the road you listen to this podcast and you can't get the 12-pack that we're going to jump into, you can certainly get Pale Ale and you can get some of these other beers throughout mm-hmm. different times of the year. Mm-hmm. So, drinking Sierra Nevada. Now, let's start with, if you were to order a Pale Ale, you know... Before we get into the the muddy water that is Brewer's Intent, base one, what are you expecting when you grab a pale ale? Like if you order a pale ale. So another way of thinking about it would be if you think about Deschutes Mirror Pond Pale Ale, Track 7 Hoppy Pond Pale Ale, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Monkey Knife Fight Pale Ale. Ooh. What really do they all have in common? Like, what is the or BJ's Pale Ale? I forget what it's called, but we talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. What What do they all sort of have in common? So, they're gonna have a little bit of a hoppy note to the smell, but not a lot. There's not a lot of aromatics, right? When you smell it; it's kind of balanced, right? You smell the malt. Agreed. You smell the hops. Agreed. Nothing really sticks out. When you sip it, you're going to sip a little bit of bitter, but it's going to be balanced with a really malty, almost like a, a cereal or grain flavor. Like, like when you taste... So if you haven't gone to the Sierra Nevada Brew Tour, they actually let you taste the wort, they call it, which is the, the boiled grain uh, before they add the hops to it. And so with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you can really taste that, that wort... And a little bit of a hot bitterness, and a little bit. I don't really taste the yeast, but a pale ale is a very light, balanced, sharp beer. In my 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 opinion, right? Yeah, and uh, so even well, real quick, let's let's double back. Uh, for those of you drinking along, if this is your first drinking experience with a uh, in any sort of context, uh, like a guided beer tasting. This beers are really, really great. Guinea pig. I'm really glad we started with this. Yes. I didn't even think to do this, but this is really great. You put your so nose in it. As first smell the beer, and you'll oh not probably not smell very much. So, wait, can we talk about glasses? Because we're both using. Hold up, let me finish the, yeah. the point. Okay, we'll talk sorry. About glasses, and then Apologies. so when you take when you take a sip, regardless of the glass, you take a sip. The bitterness will be felt on the front of your mouth. And the sweetness of the beer will be felt on the back of your mouth. Now, these words don't mean a ton, and they're a little bit ambiguous. And so let me give you some more terms to sort of break it down. When I say the bitterness will be on the front of your mouth, if you push your tongue to the roof of your mouth, that's probably approximately where you're actually tasting the bitterness. Mm -hmm. A little bit on your tongue, but in the rest of your mouth, like 
it's not quite the very front of your mouth because when we think the front of our mouth, yeah. we think like where our teeth or our lips are. But the front of your mouth being more of, again, probably about a third of the way back. Are you talking about like like placing your tongue? Like, so, so when you take a sip, you coat your entire tongue and you put your tongue against the tip of your uh, roof of your mouth. Um, what about your nasal breathing? Oh, I'm not even talking about You're that. I'm just yet. talking okay. about... Okay. Um, when I talk about the front of the mouth, just, if you were, not even while you're drinking, if you were, before you even take a sip, to place your tongue and stick it to the roof of your mouth, that's really what people are talking about when we're talking about the front of your mouth. Okay. That's where you're tasting the bitterness. Yes. Now, the sweetness of the beer is on the back end of the, is in the back of your mouth, which is sort mm -hmm. of two-thirds the way back. And so it's actually not that far from that location because if you think about it, your mouth isn't very big. So yeah. uh, for small people, it's probably about an inch. And then for yeah. larger people, it's maybe about two, two and a half inches, right? Mm -hmm. And when we say sweetness, we're talking about sweetness of the beer. So beer sweetness for most tradition, traditionally made styles is very different than like candy sweetness, right? And unfortunately in America, we're used to very sweet things. Yeah. And so grainy or sort of a cereal type, like like the milk that you would drink after you've had your bowl of cereal, after cornflakes, oh, right, where it has that sort of grainy corn quality. Flakes are like, I like to think about like like grape nuts. Yeah. After you've great. had like grape nuts soaking in milk for a minute, you start to, That it, kind it's of a thing. It's a grain-oriented, um, uh, uh, well, I guess, yeah, grain. Or like a tea. Like, like a very... Almost in, like a tea, yeah. In the back. But like something that's been pulled out like mm -hmm. you, you can taste it um, you can taste it as it goes down and so those are well, while the beer's in your mouth that's those are the two things that you can kind of focus on is the there's two things happening and you don't have to separate them to have the, the experience you know chris and i will have really there's three experiences within that is first well like you can have just the hop oriented experience really think about the hops mm -hmm. you can have the sort of malt forward experience and that's really just about the back and then you can sort of experience the beer at face value and just kind of explore how balanced you think the beer is within both of those things yeah but you're talking about like the go i want you to go ahead and talk about because this is more of the thing you push in the drinking experience mm. um I, is the breathing I, out and how that affects i like i like the start to finish so <clears throat> it touches your tongue and it, it's different from wine. Like like you, you're doing wine tasting, you swirl the glass a little bit, you oxygenate it a little bit. If you have a good beer pour, you're going to get some oxygen in the beer. It's going to reconstitute some of those proteins initially, right? So you don't have to swirl your beer. You, you can take a mouthful, different from wine, a little sip. You can take a mouthful of beer. It's going to coat and, and go through all the front of your tongue, the back of your tongue, all the seven different sensors you have in your, in your whole mouth. And then you're going to swallow it, and you're going to get that bitter up front. You're going to taste the grain in the back, the sweetness. But then also what I like to appreciate is the, um, as you swallow it, you breathe out through your nose because your, your sense of taste actually comes from your nose. And so as the beer has coated in your entire tongue, your entire mouth, and you swallow it, and you breathe out through your nose, it will accelerate or, or accentuate some of those, those tasting profiles that you're, you're looking for. And then beyond that, I also like the post-swig breakdown. I don't know if there's a scientific term, but the uh, after you drink the beer, after you breathe out, you, you take a swig, you drink out or breathe out through your nose, right? You can taste some of the flavors a little bit more, a little bit more of the maltiness comes out. This is why I like having um, 
like like syrup out of the bottle is great, but it's going to be a little more bitter. Uh, because you're not getting some of the sweet maltiness in the back end. If you put Sierra Nevada in a glass and your nose is involved while you're drinking it, you're going to get a little bit more of that malt flavor, a little bit more of the yeast, a little bit more of mm-hmm. the, the sweetness that you don't get from the bottle. But also, the breakdown. You and I talk about dryness. We talk about body. A huge indication of body or sweetness of the beer is as you drink it and it goes down your throat, how does your mouth post-process... Don't drink the rest of that, by the way. No? Not yet. Okay. Keep going. Okay, but that's my point. Is like, how does your body post-process... You've just taken a, a drink of this beer that's very complex. What else happens? Mm-hmm. Right? So beyond if it's dry or not, beyond... You know, what, what happens in your mouth? Like, there's... there's The, the way that you drink some of these beers... Like, like if Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is lighter than some of those barrel-aged, like, almost syrupy beers that we drink... Right, and so you sip it, you smell it, you drink it, you breathe out through your nose. The post-sip breakdown is a little bit more complex, but if you can get into the rhythm of doing that with some beers, like even like I've gotten back into like regular, just plain old Budweiser, mm-hmm. has a really good post-sip uh, breakdown in your mouth. It's got a very good um, post-sip palate experience uh, I don't know what the word is for that I should probably know what the word is for that but that's, sure. that's something else that I look for yeah great and so now this is why I didn't want you to drink oh, the beer okay, if you were going to okay. guide someone through tasting Sierra Nevada Pale Ale oh. right I think first of all when you order a Pale Ale you just have to know that it is still a balanced beer but it is trending towards hoppy territory um, that's typically yeah. like if I'm not sure what I want a Pale Ale is actually usually my go to Oh yeah. Like if I ask a like yeah. a bartender, what's your favorite? They go, oh, I like the pale ale. Actually, I'll pretty much go with that blanket statement. Like, oh cool, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm being indecisive. But um, to drink this beer, it is a hop forward style. Like, there's no way around that. Yeah, but it's not too hoppy where it messes up your spicy beer. Or, or spicy food experience, it messes up your barbecue experience, it messes up your right. it salad, goes well with lots of things. it messes up your macaroni and You made cheese. A, a fun yeah. note for people, if you don't know this, hoppy beers, the hops will inflate the spiciness of a food. It's a synergistic mm-hmm. uh, reaction between capsaicin and, so, and uh, hops, yes. Unless you, if you don't want a lot of heat, <laughs> don't order spicy food in Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That's a good we'll day rather actually, We'll actually yeah. IPA I like an IPA or anything above. Pale ale, I think you'd be okay unless you got something really hot. But pale ale is not going to help you. Because sometimes people are like, oh, beer will help me. Not this one. Yeah. <laughs> not this one. Maybe this is an idea for another uh, podcast episode where we do a pale ale versus an IPA and we eat some spicy wings. Oh, interesting. Okay. Who sweats the most? Which uh, would be Chris because I sweat for anything. But <laughs> <laughs> I sweat for And I'm dating a Cajun girl, so I'm I, uh, yeah, I'm into the spice. So. Hey, it sounds like we got to warm you up, Jordan. we got to get you in the zone. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Anyways. But uh, the funny part is that when you talked about how to taste a pale ale, I put my nose in it before you started talking about your description. And then as we're getting ready, I was going to ask you to, to do a cheers one more time. Your nose is in this beer. This is a very, it's, it's not meant to be aromatic, but it's a very good smelling beer. I enjoy it. We also just smell beer. Yeah. And you smell beer. It helps you prime for your palate. And it makes you, you know, your body's ready for what's coming up next. All right. So let's guide so, through the tasting. There you go. 
Uh, a little nutty, a little uh, cereal flavor. That, that, that bitterness is very light, but the bitterness is present from start to finish. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting, right? So the the maltiness of the, the grains that you're tasting aren't present the entire time, but the, the hoppiness is. But it's not overwhelming. Yeah. And so Santa Nevada Pale Ale huh. is a little bit darker than most pale ales. I think it's trending towards more of an amber grain, which is about a medium, yeah. a medium dark, um, which is why, side note, I think it's good year-round. It's still functional in summer. The style, mm. lightly like light, well balanced and hoppy, is is good for summer. But yeah. the darker grain gives it enough presence when you get into those colder months, where it still functions well. But in yeah. any case, um, this pale ale uses Cascade hops. Mm-hmm. And when we think about IPAs, some things you want to think about would be like earthy or piney. Oh, we're thinking about West Coast. Well, earthy, this is the OG. This is kind of what started this whole thing, earthy, right? Earthy. Well, no, earthy, piney, citrus, or what was the other one? I just looked at it. Um, grapefruit. Fucking grapefruit, Jordan. Earthy, piney, citrus. Well, grapefruit, citrus. So earthy, piney, citrus, or floral. Those are pretty much the four kind of things that you're mm. going to hear about an IPA. Mm. There's more, but those are the big four, I'd say. Earthy, piney, citrus, or floral. True. Now, Sierra Nevada, the thing is, is it's just not earthy. There's pine, there's citrus, and there's floral notes. Yep. Yep. And so, um, I think the citrus is going to sit more on the back of your palate, and the pine and the floral are... Back of the bitter? Yeah. A little bit? And the the, the pine and the floral are going to be at the front. Mostly the floral. I think the pine is a little bit undersold. So... So so we're going from pale ale, and I don't I don't think torpedo is necessarily dry hopped. It is torpedo hopped, right? This is where it gets its name. Mm-hmm. And so where does that sit here? As I think we're going to jump into the some of the torpedo variants. Uh, where does that sit compared to the pale ale, which is a straightforward, your kind of a traditional brew, versus now you have torpedo. It's not quite dry hopped, but it's not what, entirely wet hopped. Maybe. It's kind of this weird variant. Are you there. asking about torpedo? Well, or we're about, about pale ale. So that's the difference between pale ale and the torpedo variants we're about to get into, because we're about to get into a, a few oh, different no, agree. variants, right? No, I just so, I wasn't sure what your question was targeting. So, so we're just but like, we're going to jump from pale ale, which mm-hmm. isn't the most aromatic beer that Sierra Nevada has. Okay. Torpedo I'm rethinking are, this now. Should we do tropical torpedo or should we do regular torpedo? I first? was thinking we'd do regular first and then if tropical. If you want to grab it, go ahead. I'll go. But but that's my point. Is is the whole point of torpedo is not necessarily um, there's a lot of places we'll dry hop a beer, they'll wet hop a beer. Torpedo is kind of this weird variant. I don't know if you call it intermediary. It's kind of its own thing. Where they, they force the beer through a torpedo or like a long tube full of Okay, cool. So you grab the torpedo and yeah. let, me, let me dive into that. So, okay, but the, the, the pale ale doesn't have that. Correct. Right? So the pale ale is made, so just Chris threw out a lot of terms. So wet hops is if the hops are thrown in while the beer is being brewed. Dry hop is when the hops are being thrown in during fermentation. So after the beer is brewed... It still doesn't have the yeast, which is one of the four main ingredients. So there's grain, hops, water. Those are what the beer is originally brewed with. And then after the beer is brewed, you cool that mixture, and then you add the yeast. After the yeast has done its thing, 
you can add more hops, which is called dry hopping, which if you, depending on if you add mm. a hop during the brew, wet hopping, or dry hopping after the yeast, will get a, usually a different flavor from the hop, which is why they would yes. do that. And yes. it doesn't add to bitterness. The earlier you add a hop to the boil, the more bitter a beer will be. And so if you start, if the wort reaches the boil, and you immediately add the hops, there's going to be a much more present bitterness, as opposed to, let's say you're boiling your wort for an hour, mm. which is a long boil, but let's just say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the last 10 minutes, you throw in all of your hop additions. That's really common, that's called a flame out, where you get all of the aromatics and the fruity flavors, yes. but you don't get as much bitterness. Mm -hmm. And so, so can we make even healthy? just with, hold up, even just with oh. wet hopping, there's quite a bit of variance between dry hopping. We haven't gotten into torpedo yet. I'm saving that for this beer because this is Sierra Nevada torpedo. But there are still quite a few variations even with one hop. Yeah. Because we've, yeah. like, we've had complex beers just using citra hops because they've oh. added it early in the boil and then done a flame out. And then dry hopped it, and that's produced two or three different nodes mm -hmm. to sort of sit on because of how different steps in that process can. Now, I, I think that our second or third Cinevada tour, you and I actually had opposing views because of how citra hops were used, and our palates were a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, right? we were both right. So, yeah. yeah, we were both right. We were arguing the whole time. Like, <laughs> Like oh shit we're both right oh, I'm sorry yeah <laughs> you were more sensitive no. to the boil and I was more yeah. sensitive to the dry hopping part of that beer. All right, all right torpedo OG. This is the um, the variant that started the whole thing for Sierra Nevada, where they have a mechanism called a torpedo. You keep talking mistaken. about this. They do. You it's keep talking a, about it. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. Go for it. I'll do so the it's a a um, vertical, and they call it a torpedo. I'm not sure exactly why, but to me, when they showed it to us on one of the tours, if you pay a little bit extra money, they'll show you during the tour. Uh, you know, uh, one of the VIP stuff. Uh, it looks like a giant torpedo from a submarine. It looks like a missile underwater. Uh, the idea is they take the beer they brew and they run it through. A helical style infusion process or a, a tornado if you can imagine a tornado of beer flowing through this these uh, contained hops and so torpedo is their extra IPA uh, I don't recall seeing a regular Sierra Nevada like a pale ale um, variant of an IPA like a straight Sierra Nevada IPA uh, I know they've done a few sessions um, torpedo seems to be their standard they call it a torpedo extra IPA it's because they infuse the beer, they send it through forcefully uh, through this vertical tube of hops called a torpedo. And I think it was our second trip to Sierra Nevada, we had a few. I think it was our second trip, we actually saw mm -hmm. one in person. It was like a six foot tall tube almost, it looked like a torpedo, and they, just, they shoot the hops through it. Yeah, I think I've been three times. You've been three times? I think we've been, yeah. So you went without me, right? No, I think you and I together have been three times. So I've been probably five times then. I think you, yeah. But one of the trips that you and I went on, we actually saw a torpedo. Mm-hmm. In the lab, yeah. Yep. In a testing lab. That was our first trip. Yeah. So so this is a little bit different. Uh, we just talked about brewing with dry hopping. 
to get aromatics. Uh, the pale ale doesn't have a lot of aromatics. It has a little bit. Torpedo has some, but I wouldn't say torpedo, the, the torpedoing process gives the aromatics the same way as a traditional dry hopping process. It's kind of this weird tangents, like a different process of infusing hop flavor. Cool, that was actually my next right? question. Do you yeah. think it's a middle ground? So if you were to say wet hopping, dry hopping, torpedo, is torpedo a middle ground between wet hopping and dry hopping? Or, you know, when that's a linear line with three points, or is it more of a triangle? I think it's, it's, it's an intermediary. It's not as quite aromatic as dry hopping towards the end of the boil. If you smell your torpedo, it smells a little bit more than a pale ale. And that's kind of my point. It's like Sierra Nevada doesn't really have a house IPA. They have a an extra IPA, torpedo. It's kind of like their, their baby. Yeah. But it is not as aromatic as some of the house IPAs from other breweries that we smelled. When you compare it to pale ale, we sure. just had, it smells a little bit stronger. But it's also an IPA. It's an extra IPA, so they probably had a little bit more malt. I think that when we did the tour... Where we got to see the entire facility, they were saying uh, torpedo takes what ten thousand pounds of grain per batch or something like that, which is significantly <laughs> more than pale ale. And I think when you smell it, I just smell a lot of grain. I don't smell a lot more hoppiness compared to pale ale. Sure. So I don't think the aromatics are there. I think the torpedo process is a uh, it's it's a little bit higher ABV uh, to brew the malt uh, to brew the wort or whatever and put it through the the tor- torpedo process. I think it gives it kind of a unique flavor. It's kind of a unique thing. But I wouldn't say um, torpedo process gives it the aromatics that you get from some like the Northeast Hazies or some of the American IPAs. It's kind of like the uh, the big brother to the pale ale. But they kind of skipped a step. They didn't go to a house IPA. They went to an extra IPA, if that makes sense. Yeah. So now I think we're ready to, to talk about what's the difference between an IPA. Hold on. Hold on. Cheers. Cheers. Drink where's bad lad. Hmm. What's the difference between an extra IPA and an IPA? It's probably ABV, which would be malt. Which in this case, this beer has a significant. I don't know if it's actually the. If you look at the final gravity, it's. I don't know if it's actually higher than pale ale sugar content, but the ABV is higher, right? So I would get the impression, and, and also having the tour, um, the torpedo. What do you think the ABV is on torpedo? About seven. Yeah, which is higher than I, I was thinking 6.5 for some okay. reason. Okay. It's 7.2. But that's what, that, that was kind of my point, is like Sierra Nevada doesn't really have something in between pale ale and an extra IPA. Right? That's kind of a big gap. So... I mean, they have a 5.6 and they have a 7.2. Like, are you looking mm-hmm. for a 6.4? 6.4, 6.0, a pale, like, not a pale ale, but like a house IPA. Like, I think Track 7's got Panic, Lagunitas has Lagunitas well, IPA. Panic is 7. Okay, well this, yeah. So, maybe this Torpedo is their IPA, but they, they call it an extra IPA. That's yeah. That's my point. Uh, they kind of skip a little bit of a step there. Yeah, and my my question was more centered around like, you know, you and I've talked about this a couple times. Where like it's really brewer's intent. Like if yeah. if they make what's considered to them to be a pale ale, but it happens to be six and a half percent, like we would look at that like, damn, that's got to be. Yeah, well, five, five six five seven is pretty strong for a pale ale. <laughs> right. Um, Usually about four and a half five, right? 
and a session is like four to five. So yeah. it gets kind of Agre- hard to... No, completely agree. Yeah. But we've seen, you know, in the early days of doubles, 7% was going to be a double. And so, this is 7.2. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, what between this being on the doorstep of a double and that being a parallel that Sierra Nevada have to offer that's your intermediary? Oh, right? no, I, no, I completely agree. I yeah. just... Um, Something at 6.0, 6.5... Would be, you know, but they don't do that. They just jump into the torpedo. Yeah. It's just interesting branding to me. That's sort of my my point. But it's not, when you when you drink torpedo, it has a sweetness to it. It has a, a little bit of a, a mellow to it you don't expect for it being an extra IPA. For most beer drinkers, when you see an extra IPA, you're like, oh, it's going to be really bitter. I don't know if I want to drink that. Ah, it's kind of hot outside. Ah. But... This is surprisingly, I hate to say crushable, but it's surprisingly it's crushable for an extra IPA. Yeah. So it's funny because Torpedo is not, I'd say at best, it could be my third favorite Sierra Nevada beer. At best. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the other nuances as to why later, but... Uh, it is, funny enough, my favorite Sierra Nevada memory. Because mm. the last time Chris and I took the tour was when we got to try... Uh, first of all, we did a we did an upgraded paid tour. You can do the free tour, and it's great. You should definitely do the free tour. Yes. Uh, anytime if someone said, hey, you want to go to Chico for the day, we're going to go to Sierra Nevada. Great. I would love to do that. Even if just for the restaurant. Even if it's just for the restaurant. Oh, boy. Um, but especially if we got to, if we're doing the free tour and we're going to walk oh. around. Yeah. Oh. Let's do the free yes. tour. Let's do, let's walk around and go to the restaurant. I'm going to have a great time. But Chris and I paid for an upgraded tour. This is the last time we went. It was my third trip. And we went because I had just done my first batch of homebrew through a Mr. Beer kit. And it turned out kind of funky. And I just wanted to turn. I just wanted to like go back to a brewery and just kind of have them just go through their spiel about how beer is made and just oh. learn, which I did. Little did we know. Little did we know <laughs> that they would do a couple really cool things. So first, they took oh. us through their yeast. Wait, why? Why did they do that? Because we were the only two on the tour. So as and me the tour guide said, "What do you want to see?" Yeah, and we said everything. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to see? Show us all the stuff. Show us everything. Uh, we we paid for the tour. Yep. We are absolute which beer nerds. Was twenty bucks a person, which was yes. insanely cheap. We're for gonna, what we got. We're gonna have a oh. really good time. I wish I remembered this uh, this tour guide's name because she did a fantastic job. And uh, yeah, oh my gosh, oh. it was so cool. So she took us to their cryo chamber, which is where they hold all their yeasts. That they've ever used, which is insane to see, yeah. you know. Yep, a big, walk-in fridge the size like of Bigfoot uh, as know, early as they've done it. Forty by fifty, you know. Yeah, square, yeah. Uh, insane. And uh, and any all that the was cryo cool. hops and everything. We all the cryo hops. So, so this is on top on top of the regular hop room where they have the full cone hops that you can rub your hands on. We also went and saw the cryo hops, uh-huh. which are top secret. Didn't we, didn't she show us? This is a couple of years ago when when West of Honor, Am I saying it right? I'm probably saying it wrong because we had a couple of beers. West of Honor, uh, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, did the collab with Sierra Nevada, right? And they didn't tell Sierra Nevada what their hot profile was. They sent pellets, but we got to hold those pellets in our hands. It's true. We got yeah, to hold the pellets true. for the 2018 or 2019 
special Sierra Nevada. Yeah, whatever the brew. the oldest yeah. German brewery was. It's, I think that. it's Weisstefan on her, yeah. but it was like 2019. We had to hold those things. Yeah, however you say that word. <laughs> You're either right or very wrong, and I have no idea. Um, but just, uh, Oh, it was so cool. Uh, the coolest part of that tour to me was they took us into their filtration room. Oh, yeah, with the ear, we had to wear earplugs. We had to wear earplugs, and so Chris had yeah. no idea what was going on. But she... Around. Uh, hit this like safety valve thing and poured us a little bit of beer oh, off the ceiling. So uh-huh. I saw that part. Yeah. So you and you and the tour guide were talking, and I was probably about ten feet away looking at all of the piping and all that stuff because I'm a nerd, and so I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying. But she tapped into something on the roof, right? It was a little glass. And and a little pipe. You, yeah. A little. Some a little, of the pipe was coming down. This, hits this little valve, puts some beer in some tiny little cups for us, and. Uh, has us taste it, and then she she hits me with the knowledge, and I'm like nerding out, right? Because I'm like, oh shit, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And later in the restaurant, Chris was like, well, what was your favorite part? Like, probably when we got Torpedo. And Chris was like, when did they give us Torpedo? Like, <laughs> was like, yes. in this filtration room. Like, that was Torpedo? I thought that was Pale Ale. Like, no, Chris, they, they gave us torpedo like less than five minutes certainly less than 10 minutes after it had finished the filtration process yeah it was like, headed to bottling right it was like headed it was... to bottling and they gave us samples of torpedo and she said by the way this is literally the freshest you're ever going to taste this beer in your whole life <laughs> and poured us some and i was totally geeking out and chris was i didn't realize chris hadn't been paying attention i was still lost in the moment yeah like, where was i no, i no, don't know no. what the fuck you so, were doing so when when she handed us these samples i was like oh that's pretty good I, this is a good beer mm, tasty right you know doing the whole thing and jordan's nerding out <laughs> I'm like yeah that's pretty good all right cool whatever <laughs> <laughs> That's actually my, my favorite beer moment of my entire <laughs> life. And Chris was too busy looking at piping. Like, hmm, this is a good beer. Mm, I wonder what this is. This is Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I thought it was Pale Ale. Like, yeah, this is pretty tasty. You know, I was doing a little... It's like literally a two-ounce pour. And I was doing the whole smell thing and mm-hmm. looking at the stuff and tasting it. And you're over there freaking out. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Good times at Sierra Nevada. It's true. But Torpedo, funny enough, I don't think, like, if someone brought... Okay, here's a question for you. If you could drink Torpedo or Pale Ale, what would you rather have? Mm. Are you telling people to leave it in the comments? Leave it in the comments. Go ahead and leave it in the comments. Which is choose. Okay, but really, though, what do you... (laughs) (sighs) What would you drink? People already know my answer. You know, one does all. I, I think I might agree with you, Sierra Nevada Pale because it, it it opens up also, like, cooking options and pairings. But, you know, if I were to pick Torpedo or, like, some of the other variants we're going to have. Yeah, on a hot day, summer but, day, you're going through the ice chest. They have Sierra Nevada and they have Torpedo. Which one do you want? That's exactly my point. It's like... If I can only have one beer, not a, not only one beer, just would you rather have if you're drinking a beer, not just one for the rest of your life, just drinking a beer. 
Trail of Torpedo. That's my point, though. It's like <laughs> tropical torpedo. I've made some amazing chicken barbecue recipes with. Not tropical. This is regular torpedo versus I know. pale ale. Okay, regular versus pale ale. Um, I would go pale ale because I've also made some amazing chicken recipes with pale ale that I haven't done with torpedo. So, the odds are, if I'm at a barbecue and I'm hosting, because usually I'm hosting, um, I'm having a pale ale and also, like, I've done, like, a beer butt chicken or, like, we've done, like, some, some smoked ribs with some pale ale mixed in with barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I'm going to go for is a pale ale because it's going to pair well with what I've provided for our... Sunday afternoon pool party, whatever yep. you know, it just it just goes so well. It's so easy to incorporate into the most basic barbecue recipes or like like home cooking recipes. Like, just it it's such a balanced beer. Pale ale is so good. Yeah, unless you talk about uh, pineapple sculpin. They made some very good teriyaki with pineapple sculpin. Okay, so. so let's just end this really quick. <laughs> you can have one beer for the rest of your life, and the choices are Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or Pineapple Sculpin. Which one do you choose? This Pale Ale. Okay, great. But everything I make, Top Ramen to freaking <laughs> Filet Mignon is going to have Sierra Nevada Pale Ale with it. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm a chef, but I'm not, I'm not a Michigan star chef. It is a good beer chef. to cook with. Surprisingly oh. so. If you so so my family when I, I grew up um, I have you know Eastern family you know German influence European influence but also my dad's kind of a breakfast cook and I, I think you appreciate this I grew up uh, having uh, you know we do like French toast or he'll do like sausage links with some beer right pour some Coors in the pan fried sausage links up that's, that's pretty good I started using pale ale. And holy oh, moly, for like a nice sausage link with some pale ale fried in the pan. Oh man, that's good stuff. Oh, oh that's pretty good. Oh, that's good. And actually, some of my pressure cooked chicken I just did um, like three three weeks ago. I did some uh, spicy Kansas City barbecue sauce that one of my coworkers gave me, mixed in with some chicken that I had marinated with uh, garlic, soy sauce, and a I think it was torpedo, uh, a hoppy version of Sierra Nevada, you know, beer. And the hoppiness kind of gave the chicken a little bit of the floral taste, you know, along with the, the savory soy sauce and garlic, and then mm. I pressure cooked it into like a barbecue chicken sliders, coleslaw, you know, the whole thing. It was, oh, so good. See, that's where I think this new trend, new relatively new trend of beer cuisine I'm really interested in. So picture if you did like a homemade sausage where you actually like made the meat and put it in the casing. Oh, But before man. you did that, you took some, let's say, Cascade hops mm. and mashed them up. Or even Cascade pellets and mashed them up and used it like a spice in your sausage recipe. And then as you oh. were grilling the sausage, put some Sierra Nevada pale on it. Mm-hmm. Or even if you didn't do that, you paired... Because there's Cascade hops in both. Mm-hmm. Paired the sausage. I would put them in a frying pan and fry them in Sierra Nevada. Yeah. It'd be it's so good, right? It's so good. Yeah. Oh, that'd be the best breakfast ever. Oh. Yeah. By the way, for the rest of the podcast, we should probably just split because there's no way in a timely manner we're going to get through all these beers. And yeah, we got two people more. after like a four-hour podcast. Yeah. So... 
as far as tasting this beer, uh, you know, going from a pale ale to an IPA. Yeah, the OG torpedo. Yeah, uh, from as a as you're tasting this beer, again, the bitterness is on the front, the sweetness is in the back, and going from a pale ale to an IPA, especially an extra IPA, probably close to it, like. When this was released, probably what would have been considered a double, but they wanted to market it, so they just put extra IPA. Yeah. Um, to to drink this beer, you just have to expect a lot of bitterness on the front end. Yeah, but it's got a lot of body to back it up. Like it's got a lot of that sweetness to like come in and say, "Oh, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 it's bitter, but oh, calm down, calm down. We got you, we got you, bro." You know, it's, it's a full body right behind. You get that bitterness right in the front of your tongue, but then you get this whole sweetness and grain grain bill. You can taste through it. You know, right almost immediately after you put it in your mouth, and that's honestly one one of the reasons why I like using torpedo for cooking, especially with chicken stuff, because it gives a little bit of herbal herbalness, but it also provides a body to it. A lot of times you put chicken in with sauces, like if you're doing Italian, if you're doing barbecue. You know, it gives it a little bit of extra body. That's, that's why I really like torpedo. So I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you if you're seasoned in the IPA game. Fair enough. Right. Fair enough. I okay. disagree if you're if this is if you're trying to get into beer and you're trying to get an IPAs because it's all you see in the store. Mm-hmm. This is gonna have some bite to it. It does. You know what I mean? It For does. someone who's in yeah. that stage of their journey, this is yeah. going to have some bite to it, and it's going to hit you. I do think, uh, if you have been drinking along, going from pale ale to torpedo is not so bad. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a nice step up. So if you think yep. you can handle torpedo, or sorry, pale ale, going up to torpedo after drinking a pale ale... Has actually sort of primed your palate for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like weightlifting. But maybe, maybe you can bench 225, but benching 225 on your very first set is a bad idea. Yes, but maybe you're benching 125 with some spice. And maybe that's why you start incorporating a little bit of torpedo in your recipes for marinades for chicken or for food. Not necessarily you know, jump into this beer as your full-time, hey, it's it's Saturday afternoon, the boys are coming over, let's get a 12-pack of Torpedo. Oh, I don't That's want a to do much. 12-pack of Torpedo. Exactly. But, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. But what if you marinated some chicken and some thyme, rosemary, and some Torpedo for two to three days and you barbecued it? That's not a bad play, you know? No, I vibe with that. Yeah, but but you have to understand Torpedo, so you have to have that palate developed. And like, like, kind of like what you said, jumping from pale ale to a torpedo takes a little bit of time, a little bit of experience. So, yeah. Pros and cons, good and bad, whatever, you know. Do what you want to do, but uh, our recommendation is to stick with pale ale. And, and honestly, pale ale, I've had good success with marinades, I've had good success with pairings, you know. It goes Halo with most foods. goes well with most things. Burgers, hot dogs, whatever you want. Pasta. Like, oh, yeah. think fettuccine Alfredo with the bale ale. Like, yeah, what about pesto pasta? You know, with the pine and, and the Sierra. I mean, mm, that's... It's true. And it's cheap. Like, you can do a dinner if you're trying to impress your lady for, uh, you know, whatever. I've done this before. For 10 bucks, you get a, you know, a jar of pesto, some Sierra Nevada, and... Well, Sierra Nevada's 10 bucks, so maybe 20 
Ten bucks uh, for the food. Ten, ten bucks for the food. So you get your 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 box of whatever kind of pasta is four or five bucks, and you got your jar of pesto pasta box for five pasta's bucks. Pasta is two bucks. Whoa! So whoa. I'll say, no, it was two bucks. Maybe no. it's not. Maybe it's I five just bucks did, now. No, I just did this. I literally did what you're talking oh. about two weeks ago. I did pesto Alfredo. There you go. During inflation, uh, Logan would appreciate this. Oh. But he doesn't listen to the podcast. Fuck you, Logan. Logan Miles. Um, My whole thing was ten bucks for the sauce and the pasta and everything. So was that doable? Agree. Yes. Okay. No, I got a bo- go. I got a a bag of penne <laughs> pasta. But I got two yes. bags of penne pasta yeah. for two bucks a piece. And I cooked both bags like an idiot because you always cook way more oh, pasta than you a actually lot of pasta. need. Ooh. And we had way more than we needed. But I, if you got. Uh, a, a jar of Alfredo, a, a jar, a small jar of pesto, and you only need like half that jar to be honest. So you could run this recipe back again with the other half. Pesto is a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. So half yeah. a jar of pesto, a full jar of Alfredo, and uh, a whole bag of penne pasta. Even if you don't add chicken, you could add chicken. But even if you give it like a bag salad, you're looking at ten to fifteen bucks for dinner. It's simple, yeah. like it's not flashy, right? Like if you're trying to be flashy, like I wouldn't do this for Valentine's Day. Uh, just, oh, you could. You uh, you oh, could you could. Oh, what you could. I didn't could. say I, I didn't say you shouldn't. I just said I wouldn't. Like if you're trying to romance, like really. Okay, hold on. Let me put the. If you're trying to pull out the stops, this is not the dinner I'd go with. But, but if if you're but, just trying to have a oh, nice dinner, perfectly yeah. fine. To pesto pesto Alfredo, right? Go through the frozen section. Go get some garlic bread. I've done this, and then even like get get a six pack of paleo. Great. Because Minus the paleo, I literally did this for my girlfriend a couple weeks ago. But but pesto, the sauce is a, a largely rooted in pine nuts, mm-hmm. like pine seeds. So if you pair it with pale ale as the beer, with the dinner, it's it's. 100% you're, you're good to go specifically good this to go. pale ale because of the cascade hops and the pine oh for Sierra Nevada yeah that's, that's what my point is like if you think okay so maybe that's what we were discussing if someone were to randomly ask you name one pale ale right now boom you're on the street you're walking through downtown uh, Tennessee you're, you're, you're in uh, you know Memphis Tennessee Mm-hmm. And then some person comes up with the camera, they got a microphone. What's your paleo? What is it? Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada paleo. And that's that's kind of our point. It's, it's, hoppy pulp. Like, no yeah. one cares about hoppy pulp. But that's the point. It's like they've done such a good job of making a good quality beer, and they haven't really advertised. I don't see Sierra Nevada paleo advertisements, but it's all over North America. Just got to tell you something, right? These are for cooking. Use it for casual. I mean, it's it's a good go-to. And I think that's why you and I both like Sierra Nevada quite a bit. It's just enough to tickle your fancy. Oh, indeed. Without, like, you're not getting fucked up. Like, if, even if someone brings a 12-pack, like, if there's three or four dudes at a, at a party and someone brings a 12-pack of Sierra Nevada, they're like, oh, we're getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. Versus if someone brings this thing we had off the air this thank you very much someone brings a oh from dust bowl even yes. if there's four dudes they bring a four pack like oh we might be getting fucked up <laughs> each one of those cans is like drinking a whole bottle of wine that's almost yeah and you're like, uh, like it's a it's a beer <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> by the wait way a minute. i think i have i i might still have a single can 
And I might also still have a crowler of that. Because I was so upset that I paid for that four pack and I didn't think it tasted right because of how many hops are in it. So I went to the source and got two crowlers. It's, it's a really interesting balance of like appropriately hopped and then also like God that lingered. So 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 Jordan says appropriately hopped. For a mega IPA that's fifteen percent alcohol, well, even so that how do you so appropriately hop. Well, like, I'll tell like you this: I, I, if you were to compare this uh, to some of the triple IPAs of like Knee Deep that are more in the nine percent range, yeah, I think this is less bitter than some of those beers. It's more drinkable. It is more drinkable. That's what I'm is. getting at. Yeah. Like, uh, it's certainly well made, but God, there's no way around a beer like you and I have done this quite a few times. There's no way around a beer that caught like 15% ABV. Well, what was your impression of, um, it was, uh, hopped range. I think it was a from knee deep hopped range quad IPA where on the label, it's the, the hop character from knee deep, but he's like in a straight jacket, but it's a quad IPA. And this is kind of in the ballpark of a quad IPA. I think it's better right? than a quad. I it's, think it's, well, I it's think, better than the knee deep quad IPAs that we have. I right? think yeah. I think it's appropriately branded, like the mega IPA, because it's just saying, "Hey, it's really hoppy. And it's gonna <laughs> get you fucked up." <laughs> yes, it's pretty much what it's saying. <laughs> yes, indeed. But the quad IPA, given the quads that have come before it, I think is a very like. To, is a different vibe to me. So we might have to consider doing a uh, spotlight for Dust Bowl because they've come out with two very good quad or, or they call it Megum IPAs recently. They had the Dump Truck of the Gods, which was a very, very good, uh, like a triple, triple and a half IPA. Uh, most recently, the, the notable one I've had from them was a strawberry infused barley wine. That was really good. That was amazing. You know, it was like 12%, but it was a barley wine with strawberry. It was, oh, so good. We might have to consider, you know, Dust Bowl is normally uh, known for like therapist or like a bad therapist, like your single double IPA. That they have some other variants they're coming out with that I've, I've started to see in stores randomly that would put them on. The pedestal high enough to put them with like some sort of spotlight that we do for our podcast, and I, I'd be more than willing because they have some crazy. I, I, who else makes mega IPAs? Who else makes barley wines with fruit infusion? Who else makes just a standard like a they call it like a taco truck uh, Mexican lager that's really good? You know, like just oh, they're, cool. they're knocking out some really cool niche. How is that what it's called? A taco truck? It's called taco truck. Yeah, that's a good name. Yeah, but like. The Roach Coach is a good name oh, for it too. The Roach Coach is what I used to eat when I was doing construction and made my stomach not happy. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't we don't like that. We don't like it's that. A, it's well, they didn't say you had to like yeah. it, but we I think we can agree it's a good name. Yeah, but I'm just saying like like Dust Bowl has been coming out with some really killer versions of some really weird niche beers, and they might be worth a spotlight, man. Uh, sure, yeah. that's fine. All right. So, I'm just gonna I'm gonna quiz you real quick. Uh oh. What grain does Tropical Torpedo use? Um. 
Oh, wow. it, it uses, we'll say two. One's a family and one's a specific strain. Two row. It does use two row. And... What am I thinking, Joel? What am I thinking? Gold, no. I don't know that you're going to get it. I'm not. And but caramelized malts. So it's a darker color. I, I wasn't going to guess that. This is a very similar vibe to Sierra Nevada, though. So I bet you Sierra Nevada uses the same type of thing. Because especially the bigger the brewery gets, the more they have to purchase things in bulk. Yeah. And they're not going to get fancy with three or four types of grain in a recipe. They're going to stick with one to two grains. True. Okay. How many hops do you think this beer has? Three. Agreed. That's exactly what it is. Cause Correct. Ooh. What are what yeah. are the, what are the three hops? Cascade. Nope. Ah. Oh. This is a hard one. Columbus. Nope. What? Wait a second. This is too like this is Nevada's favorite. This is their fucking. Uh, uh, okay. I know. I looked this up. This is actually hard, and I don't know how they use these hops, but I think the torpedo. And I think this is actually, you're kind of the guinea pig for a slightly fucked up game. Uh, I think the torpedo really blurs the lines for this. Oh, man. Okay. But you, you certainly know two of them. The third one, I was like, oh, I never would have guessed that. Chinook. No. What? <laughs> Centennial. Nope. What? Keep going. Oh, man. How many? Eldorado. Nope. No. It's definitely not Eldorado. I know, hey, sometimes Eldorado can be used as an earthy hop. It's That's not really it's, that earthy. It's well, sometimes. Very well, rarely. No, so you're you're correct in Eldorado's earthy. This beer is not that earthy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. Okay. Okay, uh, so let's start let's let's be, let's build you up. Start more mainstream. Citra. Okay, great, yes. What? It has Citra Hops yeah. Torpedo? This is according to oh SierraNevada.com. Okay. okay, Citra Hops, um, Amarillo. Yeah. Nope. What? I'll give you one more guess and I'll give Columbus. you Columbus. Nope. Oh. That's actually a good guess, though, because this is this, this does have a spicy, citrus, peppery kind of vibe to it. I've guessed all the others. What? Uh, what's a, another name for a large-sized condom? Oh, they use Magnum hops, which Magnum. is isn't that a variant of the the CTZ, the Zeus hops, or no? Is it different? Oh, CTZ, interesting. Maybe. Hmm. Uh, let's look. Let's look. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just pulling strings here to figure out how to save my credibility. Oh, so Magnum hops mm. are very, very similar to Columbus. Uh, or like Amarillo uh, in the sense that uh, so they're primarily black pepper which is Columbus but that's that's okay so so that's but also a slight hint of citrus so but that's Amarillo but Amarillo, Amarillo was a very um, uh, uh, mutant version of the hops and so Amarillo and yeah. Simcoe both sorry if you use Simcoe in the right context Simcoe also has spicy citrus um, mm. So, which is why Simcoe and Amarillo also work so well together. Yeah. So but Magnum. Magnum Hops fits into that. Okay, and ah. there's a third one. Okay, here's there's a third hop, and I think you're never going to guess it. And so you can keep guessing or I can tell you. Which game would you like to play? Let me get one guess. Okay, great. You're never going to guess it. 
I don't even know that, like, I'll, I'll preface this now, that I don't even know that you and I know what this hop tastes like. I'll give you a, a really good hint. It's also a type of malt. I don't know, this is like 30 cans of malt. <laughs> I know, but like black hops uh, or chocolate hops aren't also a thing. So like most of the types of malt. Golden malt. Or golden hops. Crystal. Oh, is that what they're using there? Crystal wheat? I don't know. Crystal wheat is a very good wheat ale from uh, Sierra Nevada. Maybe. Oh, Maybe they do. man. Crystal. All right, I'm going to grab the next round here. Hops.
I also grabbed uh, the one after Tropical. Great. Which I don't know if you've ever seen or had uh, Atomic Torpedo. I have not. Okay. So, let's start with Tropical. Tropical. I wasn't sure if you wanted to get into this one or close with it because this beer... Oh, sure. This beer really started our journey. We, we talk about this a lot. But this true. beer changed us forever. So not only do I claim that this is my favorite IPA of all time. I'm going to grab this real quick for the end of the episode Which, games. It was also very hard to find this year. Agreed. For some reason. I don't know why. Sierra Nevada. I've yelled at you once. <laughs> Maybe twice. Uh, yeah, Tropical <laughs> Torpedo certainly... Certainly a prominent role as such. Uh, functions as my favorite IPA of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More for the nostalgia factor than anything else. I don't think it's the greatest IPA of all time. Don't misquote me. Uh, but it's my favorite. Uh, favorite IPA. It's my favorite Sierra Nevada beer. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, it really opened the door. And it opened the door, and that's why it's part of, like, that's why. it It's a fruity IPA that doesn't use fruit. And mm-hmm. to us at the time, it was like, holy fuck, how the, how'd, you, how, how'd you do that? But it's interesting to me that even though it's my favorite Sierra Nevada beer, it's my favorite IPA of all time, it's not the beer I would pick if I could only ever have one beer for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I don't want this in winter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I want to drink beer around Christmas. So, so take a smell. It's probably mm. been a while since you had one. Yeah. Same for me. So I will say, if you know what's <clears throat> coming, you can smell the fruitiness of this beer. If you don't know what's coming, you don't smell fruit. So if you're drinking along, you don't smell fruit. You can just turn it off. That's it. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. We don't like you. It's okay that you don't smell fruit. Because to be honest, <laughs> I don't think we did either the first time no, we had No, we had beer. no idea. It smells, no it smells like a torpedo. <clears throat> it's a little bit lighter, the torpedo. And you're like, okay, great. It's more of an orange than an amber, like mm-hmm. compared to torpedo, regular torpedo. Cheers. Yeah. It's also a much lighter mouthfeel. And you won't taste mm. fruit in the sense that it's it still tastes like beer to most people. Yeah. But on the back end, and this is where the sweetness comes in, and breathing out of your mouth comes in, there are these light tropical notes that can come in. Now, I do think that the mouthfeel and the bitterness is somewhere between pale ale and regular torpedo. It's It's, not quite as bitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite as bitter as regular torpedo. I think the bitterness is comparable to Sierra Nevada. Um... It's certainly comparable to the pale ale. I don't know if it's more, yeah. but it's definitely comparable. So here, here's and the my... the lighter grain will produce a lighter body as well, which is going to oh, yeah. contribute to definitely a summertime beer, a very good summertime beer. I was going to say if if torpedo is a very gentle slap in the face, um, tropical torpedo is a very gentle caress on your cheek. Like whoa, same territory. A little bit less... Um, Completely different gesture, I'll Yes, say. a little different gesture. A little bit less... Ex- not necessarily less exciting, but less painful. <laughs> if you're not the most hop-oriented person, Tropical Torpedo is a very, very pleasant 
tiptoe into uh, highly hopped or um, if like, this is mosaic hopped, right? So then you're getting to like the craft hopping beers, right? Mm-hmm. This is a very nice, uh, easy way in the front door, right? Yep. It doesn't have that initial. It's a little bit lighter body, but it doesn't have that initial hop bite that regular torpedo has, which is very pleasant. But also, it tastes fruity. And that was kind of our... All the fruit comes from the hops. Yeah. It's and funny because... you know, Mind it's, blown. It's amazing what context to do for you is that... You know... Really, bro, ready? This will kind of blow your mind. Uh-oh. Is we were really getting into beer before I finished my master's. Uh-huh. Which was in... Uh, what, four years ago? 2017. Oh, about five years ago. So 2016 yeah. to 2017, somewhere in that range, was when we had this beer, probably about 2016. We were like, oh, this is fruity. Yeah. Now, it's funny having this now, it's not that fruity. But no, there are fruity yeah. notes. Well, well, compared to... The, the context was, five, six years ago, you and I were both really against the Northeast Hazies. Which were very fruity, unfiltered beers. Like, ah, these weirdos in LA and New York. We don't agree. Let's not, you know, let's just stay away from these. And we had Tropical Torpedo. We were like, who the hell in the right mind would put fruit in beer? This is messed up. We went to Sierra Nevada to find out. And we were like, there's not fruit in there. Those are the hops. Like, what? <laughs> no, stop. He's like, no, those are the hops. Yep. Completely changed our perspective of how beer's made. Mm hmm. And now it's funny, we don't even care. Like, you could, if someone's like, blueberry heft, we pour blueberry puree in yep. while it's fermenting. Like, oh, great, pour mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. we're going to try oh, it. Oh, here's a, here's a blueberry lavender uh, sour, a light sour. Ooh, okay. No. Yeah. Well, like, here's a, uh, like, like Dust Bowl has, uh, I, I don't want to, like, prop up Dust Bowl too much. They're great. Not, not that I don't want to. Problem. We're talking about Sierra Nevada mostly this, this podcast, mm-hmm. but they have a New Zealand only hopped, uh, you know, hazy IPA right now that you can buy in stores. Oh, cool! It's really good, but it's only hops from New Zealand, which is it's not just like the Southern Hemisphere. It's not just off African. It's not just Australian. It's specifically New Zealand specific Northeast hazy. It's cool. like, but it's it's such a niche. But like you and I have gotten to the point where like, hey, that's that's really cool. We can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's super cool. Dope. You know, uh, so, it's a beer made for the nerds. And I think that's when you and I first started was when we had Tropical Torpedo at Sierra Nevada. And they explained to us that the fruitiness only comes from the hops. Specifically within the, the torpedo function. Yes. Right? And so, so like... How is that possible? They just changed the hops. It's wizard, uh, wizard stuff. It's crazy. We yeah, had no idea like, at the time. Right? Wait a minute, and that's when I told Chris, like, "Hey, we gotta get into this hop tasting thing, which is, you know, the, the, <laughs> the torpedo tasting notes are surprisingly difficult." Yeah, um, which but, I think is kind of it. Kind of proves the point of like the torpedo. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. It's not quite a dry hop. It's not a wet hop. It's not in between. It's it's kind of its own thing. Sure, right? I would agree. After having both of these, yeah. and maybe we'll see if it changes after Atomic Torpedo, but yeah. I tend to agree that it's more of a triangle of like torpedoing is just a different thing. 
I don't even know if uh, the atomic torpedo gives us what we're looking for. Mm. What are you looking for? <laughs> Why they call it atomic torpedo in the first place? Like you and I have this thing against uh, beers with no description on the can, no real breakdown. I don't know. So so Sierra Nevada will give you a break. I mean, I don't think that they they mess around too much. You know, like like a lot of the small places around here, they they come up with these beers and they call them some weird name. And they have no description of what it is, and they expect you to be the uh, the blind sheep that purchases every beer they make. I'm against that. I'm like, I will purchase a beer if I can recognize it's something that I like. You know, because you're you're charging twenty bucks a four pack. Just saying. Uh, Sierra Nevada. They sell these. This is a 19.5 ounce can, I believe, which is becoming more popular in Sacramento. There's a lot of sports uh, arenas. Like I know the Sac Republic has a deal with um, New Glory, where they make uh, gummy worms and they make uh, Ubedank. but they make them in 19 and a half ounce cans mm. for the Sac Republic soccer team stadium. That's cool. But you can also buy them in stores around here. So if you see these these crazy tall cans like this atomic torpedo from Sierra Nevada. You assume that it's some purpose. It's sold in some uh, capacity to sports arena. I haven't been, so I don't know if they sell the Kings games, Sac Republic soccer team. I don't know, uh, but I did notice that the Atomic Torpedo is only sold up until recently in these nineteen and a half ounce cans. I saw a mixed mixed twelve pack of bottles, twelve ounce bottles, and decided that the Mixed 12 pack bottles that I got with the cold torpedo was more advantageous to what we're doing. So I bought a couple of these tall cans of atomic torpedo. But again, it's just kind of a weird, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to get into. Never seen it before. Never seen it in bottles. It doesn't have a description on the, <laughs> on the actual can of what atomic torpedo is. But it is 8.2%. Right. So. Are you ready to taste it for the first time? Yeah. They don't have this in Oklahoma, right? No, let's not mm. use that as the measuring stick. Let's not. I'm just saying, like, I've only had this, like, once or twice. It's very hard to find. Atomic Torpedo. I've never it, had it. It is a variant of Torpedo, which is a very common beer Sierra Nevada makes. Mm-hmm. Um... My whole point was let's let's crack it open and let's taste it literally directly compared to regular torpedo and tropical torpedo that we just had. Great. How many more do we have after that one? Two one more. more. One more. Okay. After Atomic is cold torpedo, which is another trend I've seen a lot of breweries do. Cold IPAs. So when I saw cold torpedo, I had to. You don't have it. to talk about that. I've been. They don't have those in Oklahoma, which is where I've been living most of the time. Yeah. The last year, so the cold IPA game. I'm I'm coming into it the same way it came to the AZ game, like a little. We'll talk about it when we get there, but just admitting on the podcast, like this will actually be. I guess I had one. I had one when the boys got together, but this. Mm-hmm. Is, that was the first cold IPA I had had. So this is my second time trying the first cold IPA that I've had. Yeah, and so that was the whole point is, you know, we live in California, right? Sierra Nevada has a 
brewery in Chico, which is one of the hottest places in California. So how are they making a cold IPA? Which my first impression is a cold IPA would be an IPA brewed at cold temperatures with lager yeast instead of ale yeast, right? And when we get to it, I have had one bottle of this cold IPA. Uh, I want to get your thoughts because a lot of the cold, like we, you and I, is so, that it? Is it? It's an IPA of lager yeast. Is that it? I haven't looked into it. Okay. I've only had one, but but there was another brewery um, that you and I have had a beer from before. That was a cold triple IPA, right? And it was a, the the Turtles Back. I forget who makes it, but. The Turtles Back, uh, cold triple IPA, and you and I both thought it was very interesting for being a triple IPA. It was very smooth, very chill, right? Because it was technically a triple lager, right? It's not a triple ale, it's a triple lager, which lends itself to different uh, bodies, different tasting notes, you know. So I wonder... Uh, and, and also it's very expensive to make these, but I wonder if Sierra Nevada has dipped their toes into cold IPAs because that seems to be an up-and-coming thing. I've seen a lot of them. But are you ready for this atomic torpedo? You want to wait a second? Uh, I'm ready. I'm just going to finish this real quick. Okay, so atomic torpedo. 8.2% Sierra Nevada... Juicy West Coast Double IPA. Okay. So that's all the can says. That's all I've been able to figure out. But I have to say, it is very tasty. I've had one of these before. You ready? Mm-hmm. So You since, open cans with two hands. Yes. You can give yourself a little bit more. Okay. Okay. You're, uh, you've been working ahead of me. Yes. Do you want to catch up or do you want to let me uh, fall on my face? Because I, I, I want to tell you that that thank you very much was. I mean, I, quite I a bit. drink a drink a lot. Yeah. Watch that. Watch yeah. that. Watch I'm that. that. I'm watching. Ooh. It's nothing. I got close. You know, Jordan. Over his glass. Jordan, I, I'm I'm a professional at shitty pours. Okay, this is I, I knew it was. <laughs> You're about this. Life. <laughs> I'm about that life. <laughs> Hold on, don't give me more yet until you know what yours is doing. No, there's like this much left in the can. I'm gonna okay. give you a little bit more. I'm gonna give you the rest to me. Okay, great. But I have to wait for it's like that. Half, 14 ounces of foam to settle. <laughs> I know what I'm about, son. I know what I'm about. I'm not saying yes or no. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's going to settle for a minute. So this right here, while we wait for it to settle, <laughs> was Red Robins. This is one of the few, like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, solutions wait, I had. Wait, you guys poured it, like, literally, like, no head up to the top? Well, no. So, like, we, our Coors Light line specifically would have these kinds of problems where you pour uh, Coors Light pints. Coors Light. <laughs> And like, eight ounce of it would be foam. And it'd be like a twenty-two ounce beer, and like most of it'd be foam. And then like the beer would work its oh, way up, no. and then our manager oh. expected us to let it settle all the way to the bottom, and then we pour the rest and let that settle. And it was like four or five stages. They're like, it's gonna take It's gonna take twenty fucking minutes <laughs> to pour. So pretty much what I would do oh. is I would just let. Let the beer as like the beer would work probably 
eighty percent up of the way. Like however long it would take for it yeah. to work up up as much as it needed to to work quickly, I would let it do that. But then I would pour out foam and then pour the rest, like pour a little bit more and then pour a little bit more and pour a little more and get it out in like two minutes as opposed to like like no you let all the whole head settle. It's like you know how fucking long we're gonna be here? <laughs> Uh, like, you know how often someone orders a tall course Light? Like, that's... Like, especially at a restaurant like Red Robin. Like, that's what we mm-hmm. sell a ton of. Yeah. That's why I couldn't ever get them to get rid of their domestic lines. Like, that's actually, like, what we make the most money off of. Ugh. You could... Ugh. Must be frustrating. Uh... Yeah, especially when your manager says, hey, what do we need to do to up our beer game? Like, get rid of Coors Light. Oh, that's our moneymaker. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking to me. Let's come up with a Sam Adams brewed Red Robin lager. But call it the Red Robin lager. <laughs> that doesn't sell. <laughs> because we got Coors Light. Well, because eight <laughs> fucking dollars for 22 ounces. Because you got Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. For you get a tall Coors Light for three fifty. Why would you spend more than double for this? It wasn't even brewed by Sam Adams. It was brewed by New Belgium. <laughs> oh, that's right. And the, so, so okay. So I, I just, I'm really sorry to all the New Belgium fans out there, but that's the one brewery that I've always felt if they just. Disappeared. No one would notice. Did Until know that, did you know that they pretty much only brew lagers, and that they're the first brewery to really explore how to sour lagers? I thought they were the ones that make uh, uh, Voodoo Ranger. I think that's what saved them. Okay, so they do make Voodoo Ranger, and that is yeah. like one of the things that people really know them for. Yeah. Um, that and Fat Tire. Fucking yeah, but fat tire. I mean, come on. Okay, but to be known they were the, one of the first oh. breweries to sour a lager. That's where Oscar and Felix come in. But those are, are good not, beers. Those are, are those are beers. great beers. Are you not? Are you gonna say we can just delete the brewery that came out with sour lagers? Yeah, <sighs> bro, I disagree. How many have you had in the last two years? Well, none. None. No, 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 no. We've each had... We had one Oscar. We had one Felix. We had one one other one. Okay, hold on. You're right (laughs) based... Hold on. This is what we call great lawyering, right? You're right based on your line of questioning. You are correct. Yeah. But most sours, 99% of the time, you're having sour ale. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. And so to just dismiss the brewery, to just disrespect the brewery that is a pioneer in this in the sour lagering, which is the half of the beer family that is notably known for not as much experimentation. So a brewery mm-hmm. that was a pioneer in lager experimentation, we're like, ah, oh, we could just get rid of them. Like, okay, first, you're not wrong. Second, I just feel like I should stick up for New Belgium. Okay. But how many new Belgian beers have you had in the last six months? Zero. They're very experimental. I'm really Which glad. You, I'm really them. glad you didn't play the stupid game. Where like, and how many Sierra Nevada beers have you had? No. Like, hey, fuck you. Because <laughs> no, no. they make sours too, but they don't make sours out of longer. So make, the Sierra Nevada makes mostly ales. Almost. Hey, all you ales. talked about it though. The craft beer games are mostly ale game. 
in yeah. a, uh, our longer yeah. episode that Chris did by himself, which is a good job. I listened to it finally. Did you really? Oh, job. fuck you, Logan. I enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, that was the only thing. It was fuck hey. you, Logan, love you, Miles. That's the only thing the episode was missing. But that's a Jordan bit, and Jordan was on the podcast. But I thought she did a nice job. There's, there's a very interesting thing going on where uh, craft breweries, very small production breweries, are buying the original recipes from the 50s and 40s mm-hmm. of these loggers. And so, like, I have on my wall over here Bro, a bottle of Strauss. Bro, owned, owned Schlitz. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be a game changer But for that's that. the deal. So, so Schlitz is owned by someone, and they have a very small distro. So is Stroh's. So is Fox, which is mm-hmm. another small one, uh, medium size. Uh, I've had freaking Ham's Olympia, uh, Pabst, old style, not Pabst, P- uh, PBR, PBR people... Uh, in the West Coast and East Coast, say, oh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, cool. Pabst Old Style is more of an amber lager. I've had that because mm-hmm. that was picked up by a small brewery. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of that stuff going on. Where, like, it's not... And the interesting thing with Pabst is... And you're more more than me. You're definitely the authority to speak on that. Like, you've had more oh, of this than I, I have. I love those old man lagers, man. Holy shit, I love them. So, like, San Miguel is great, you know. Yeah, I haven't like, had, like, a third of these. Oh, um, Negro Modelo is good. Like, oh, jeez. So there's, there's a whole bunch that are not only still produced, but I've noticed lately that not only are small craft breweries doing lagers. Like, I just had a six-pack. Like, before we, we, we talked about this, uh, tanks for, uh, ver- what was it called? Thank you very much, which is from Dust Bowl's anniversary mega IPA. It's a warm-up beer. And at the same time, they had Dust Bowl, uh, Dust Bowl Conventional or Dust Bowl Regular, they called it, which is a, just a regular craft lager. Um, we have Track 7's, uh, you know, Sacramento's Finest Lager. We have NGB Pills from New Glory. It's not just these, these, these like, well-known names from the 50s. A lot of craft breweries are making their own pilsners and lagers. But on top of that, they were buying licenses for like Hams and Strohs oh, yeah. and Schlitz. Mm-hmm. And they're making these old school brews on top of that, which are all lagers, all German or European lagers. Which is very interesting to me. And I have an entire wall of memorabilia, which actually I met. I might be expanding very soon. Uh, there's a, a family member of mine who has a lot of... Um, Northwestern influence lager memorabilia. Which uncle is that again? Well, it's it's uncle not DJ? uncle. No, it's not uncle. He's East Coast, West Coast uncles, oh. in-laws that passed away that want to talk to me before they sell their stuff. That I might get like some Hams or Olympia signs, like memorabilia from you know, they, they give out to like people like the bars that buy a lot of the beer. They give them like a free poster or whatever. There's a bunch of that stuff I have to go through. So, I have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six shelves worth of stuff from the East Coast. I might have to put another shelf or two for West Coast um, loggers and pilsners from the 50s. Just because. There you go. But even, like, Sierra Nevada has a summer, um, what do they call it? Summer crisp lager, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... I don't think it, uh, Sam Adams really comes out with a summer lager, but like they have Boston lager, which is always good. To me, it's, it's good all summer long, you know. 
So to get back to some of these like really high end uh, breweries, you know, not necessarily like micro, but craft. You know, Chandler still has a summer lager. It's good. This atomic uh, torpedo might rival it though, which we haven't tried yet. So we we just poured it probably ten minutes ago. We've been talking this whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, the can doesn't really tell you what's in it. Cheers. But I expect it to be a medium body in between torpedo and tropical torpedo. That's good. Okay, why do you expect it to be a medium body between torpedo and tropical torpedo? If you were to ask me, someone at Sierra Nevada said, hey, we've got a lot of enthusiasts that are, are hardcore on, on torpedo. Mm-hmm. We came out with tropical torpedo, and I think tropical torpedo might be too expensive to make. So what if we do like a halfway? We change the hops, a little bit more reasonable hop, grain bill, you know. We'll put it in 19 and a half ounce cans. We'll sell it to sports stadiums. We'll sell it to people doing you know, rafting over the summer, you know. We'll sell it to people doing camping. Mm-hmm. It's not as fruity or tropical. It's not as crazy as tropical torpedo. And it's a little bit more palatable for most people than regular torpedo. It's a little bit more complex and interesting than paleo. So I only ask because I went in expecting a different result than you were. Hmm. Because it's branded as a double mm-hmm. and it has a higher ABV. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think your assessment might be correct. That it is certainly less bitter. Hold on. I think it might be so, less bitter. It's a double IPA. It is branded as a double IPA. But it is less harsh than Torpedo, which is very interesting to me, which is technically an extra IPA mm-hmm. or a single IPA, single and a half. I would put it above definitely Tropical Torpedo in complexity, but more crushable than regular Torpedo. Mm. I would agree. Which is very interesting. It's a sim- Look at the color. Look at the color of your beer. It's kind of that yellow orange color. Mm-hmm. Very similar to regular Torpedo. Yep. Right? A little bit less body. A little bit less hop bite. A bit more ABV. Which is a little bit weird. And this is where we get into like Brewer's Intent, guys. Of like, yeah, 8.2% based on what they did. You know, is is a higher ABV. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to taste stronger. Meaning, yeah. like the bitterness of an IPA isn't actually the 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 vehicle for like a strong like it's a vehicle for a stronger beer. Or actually, let me take the back. ABV isn't necessarily the vehicle for how strong the beer is, as far as how your taste buds react to it. In yes. the context of IPAs. Yes. So. Because this beer tastes more mild than Torpedo and has a larger ABV, like the ABV comes from how much out, like how much did the yeast consume? Mm-hmm. So like again, four ingredients of beer: hops, grain, water, yeast. The alcohol comes from the yeast, yep. Yep. and how much yep. 
alcohol does the yeast produce? And that's based on the balance of fermentable sugars versus the yeast. So they just added, you know, they upped the ante. They added more fermentable sugars in this beer, being the grain and yep. portions of the hop, portions of the hop, and the yeast. But the way they used the hops weren't quite as bitter. So, and so because the boil, maybe less, um, maybe maybe less uh, with the uh, hops that are more diversive. Well, so they, they certainly out, used right? some different hops in this recipe. I looked up ahead right. of time. So, so they used different hops, but okay. it also comes down to when they added the hops in the boil. So okay. they certainly added hops in the boil, but it's probably mid to late versus torpedo taste like mm. early to mid. Okay. Plus they torpedoed it versus atomic torpedo was mid to late and then they torpedoed it as well. So it uses the same amount of hops, but because they added them later in the boil, it doesn't produce as much bitterness. And it was late torpedoed well, versus early. Well, no, 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 no. So the torpedo is happening in the same portion. I'm talking uh, about when it's adding what's in the boil. Okay, okay. So, like, dry hopping happens after the boil. It also yeah. happens after the yeast has been added and does its thing. And then once the yeast is cooled down... They're like, okay, let's add some more hops to give us some aromatics to do this thing. They didn't dry hop, I don't think. Um, this one doesn't have, I wouldn't say it has more aromatics than Torpedo. It has, it does have more than Pale Ale. Agreed. But not more than Torpedo. I would agree with that. And maybe they dry hop both of them. I can't say for sure, you know, like, it's hard to know, especially based on when these beers are brewed and all those other variables. Um, but... I do think mm. really the point is just because it has a, has a higher ABV doesn't mean it's necessarily more bitter. Because Chris and I just had this mega IPA from Dust Bowl Ooh. prior to jumping in the Sierra Nevada beers. Ooh. That was at 15% ABV that was probably admittedly just as bitter if not less bitter than Torpedo at 7.2%. I would say it was less bitter, but it was the mouthfeel was definitely much more. Agreed. But it was, I don't know if it was more palatable or less palatable. I would say less palatable. But also, it's almost twice the ABP. So, it's it's a mouthful from Dust Bowl either way. There's no way around that. But I, I think I would honestly uh, rather have, if we're talking about uh, single or double whatever, the, the ABV, I would rather have more of this atomic torpedo and less of this Dust Bowl. To get to the same place. Alright, we're going to play the game again. Uh-oh. How many hops does Atomic Torpedo have? Three. That's four. But oh! Close. close. Okay. Which hops does Atomic Torpedo have? Amarillo. Nope. Hmm? What? You fell for the same pitfall again. What's close to Amarillo that we just talked about? Magnum. Great. Citra. Nope. What? I know. I would have guessed Citra. But that citrusy quality is coming from the Magnum. So, there's a lot of juicy fruitiness that's covering a lot of earthiness. Okay. I'm not going to say Simcoe. No. 
It's not Chinook. Nope. It's not Centennial. Wait. Hmm? What? I don't know that what you're tasting is, in fact, Centennial, but Centennial's in this beer. Centennial. This was, that was the one where I wasn't sure you and I were going to guess this. I don't think mm. we were going to, I don't think we were going to taste that. So, Centennial, isn't that normally not, not peppery, but it's a little bit earthy, a little bit fruity, but mostly earthy? Uh, let's look. Let me make sure I'm quoting it correctly while we're asking the question. And not Simcoe, but... Man. Centennial hops. Let's see. There's a very citrus influence to this beer. And if it's not Citra or Simcoe or Magnum, then what is it? er, Centennial pronounced lemon and floral. Excuse me. Uh, balanced bittering and aromatic hop, which is what makes them hard to detect, as I think they're they're less of the meat on the bone. Okay, there are other there's there's two big ones out there. Uh, one is in Tropical Torpedo. Mosaic. Yep. There's no way that Atomic has Mosaic in it. Is it really? Mosaic. That's the tricky part about mosaic. It can be used for a lot of of different functions. Don't tell me Enigma is in this one. No. I was going to say, dude. Don't even go there. And the other one's in Sierra Nevada Paleo. Columbus. No. Schnook? I I said Schnook. Hold on. Wait. Listen to me. Sierra Nevada Paleo. What hop is in Sierra Nevada Paleo? The hop for Sierra Nevada Paleo. Pale L hop. For Sierra Nevada. Hmm? What's pale? I honestly don't. Cascade. Know. Cascade. You know really? Cascade. Yes. I you, know Cascade. I know you it's the number one. Like, he knew uh, that. You're just like yourself that. Cascade, uh, Centennial, Mosaic, and Magnum. I was now, playing. That was now, hard to get. Now here's an interesting, interesting twist. So there's two malls in this. There's mm. one easy one. Guess the easy one. Two row. Two row. That's in everything. Well, it's certainly like what Sierra Nevada uses, right? Yeah. Now, there's there's one that will be a little interesting to you. Right. What's the other one? No. That's a good guess, though. Golden. No. Talking Malt. No. Amber. No. No, I don't. That's it. Honey. What? Honey Malt. Oh, for a freaking yes. Okay. Which is why I think there's a little more sweetness to this. It was right in that neighborhood. Was you, right were, in the neighborhood. you were in the neighborhood. No, no, no. The malts, all those malts that I just mentioned are, are in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh. What do okay. you think the IBU is on this? On this? Drink it real quick. Oops, spilling it on myself. Mm. Leaning back too much, thinking I'm cool. That's okay. I have a leather couch. We'll wipe it off. IBU is 40. And I know, so, so You're not far off. The beer is 8.2. Do you think you're low or high? I think I'm probably a slightly low. Okay. What, now that I, I will confirm that, that now what's your second guess? 45. It's 50. But, but you're in the right ballpark. Yeah. So, so you and I Which are is worse. good. That's actually pretty good. No, you and I are used to drinking beers that are very high IBU. And we tell people that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is like 35, 32, depending on who you ask. And then... So, we haven't gone to um, Red Bus. 
Red Boss has a Northeast Hazy that is seven IBU. <laughs> and it's wow. like drinking that's... fruit juice. And you and I need to try that out. But that's, that's, that's down the street from my house. Now you're here in the summer. I, I think Red Boss is one of the breweries we wanted to do a spotlight for. And maybe we can get one of the brewers in to talk about the beer with us. But, Jordan, Hazy IPA, 7 IBU. It was insane. And I think it's one of their house IPAs. And who, who told, turned me on to it was not my sister from the Bay Area. Her boyfriend, who doesn't like IPAs. Oh, good for him. Introduced me to this. Good beer. for him. And that, yeah, exactly. He's, oof. And sushi. Raul, you got me for sushi. Anytime. And Red Bus. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good day. That was a good day. Yeah. I need to pee real quick. Huh. God, and I've been working out this week, so my legs are just killing me. Good oh. God. You know that feeling. I do. Well, actually, I don't. I don't know the leg feeling because I grew up playing leg-heavy sports since I was five. So, any, uh, like, like even going to the gym and, and being uh, instructed by a friend of mine who was in the, the Navy corpsman who's a Navy Corpsman or Marines. Very, very physical-oriented job. Um, I did leg exercises just to get tired. I could do leg exercises all day long. Didn't matter. that AJ would do being a corpsman active in the military he would have to be able to run and grab a full size physically um, adjusted I say physically adjusted like a full size physically capable marine with all of their equipment and body armor so a 300 pound human he would have 300 pounds they're 200 ish pounds plus their 70 pound backpack body armor uh their ammunition their first aid kit their tracking device their, their map everything there's, there's about 300 pound human being right that's the average most of them were higher than that because of all the shit they carried in in combat so you would be about a 300 to 320 pound human being we get shot you'd fall over and aj would have to run through and there were different exercises you can perform. Uh, it's not just a deadlift, but it's a rolling. You do a somersault. You grab a 300-pound male and throw him on your shoulders in a roll. And then continue running out of the danger zone. So you have a 300-pound human being on your shoulders after doing a somersault. 
and run into an area where you can start treating him medically. And AJ had he was he was very physically fit when he was there in Afghanistan. He was just I think his deadlift was five hundred or six hundred pounds, something like that. Just just casual. Just it was his normal, you know. He was he was dumbbelling fifty pounds, you know. Like he was very physically fit because he had to be. I'm I don't know where this conference got. I'm nowhere near that. No, zero. Yeah. So. I feel it. Yeah. That's AJ. <laughs> he was one of my 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 gym instructors for a while. We did uh, a few weeks, and then I started traveling for work, and then I got back into a rhythm with a, a friend of mine for about six weeks, and then I started traveling for work again. I've been trying to get back into that, but it doesn't look like it's going to be doable. I feel it. So here we are. I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I got back in this week, and yeah. this is my first week back, and uh, <coughs> my body's been letting me know that it's my first week back. You know, as as yeah. as it does when you get back in the gym for the first week or two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's no... So, if you were to guide someone's tasting on this beer... Oh, we're still talking about Atomic Torpedo. Atomic Torpedo. Okay, so, so first of all, my recommendation would be... You're going to... You're not going to a party... You're not going to a giant gathering. You're not filling up an ice chest of beer to go to a barbecue. You're going to maybe I'm coming to your house and maybe one of your friends is coming over. Or maybe at my place, like we just had last week, three or four friends are over. Uh-huh. I'll fill up my ice chest, I'll fill up my fridge. Maybe I'll get like two or three of these atomic torpedoes if if I know my friends like hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. And we're good. That's it. Yeah, and if you're drinking along and you're not drinking in a glass, oh, we can talk about that, by the way, if you want to talk about the glass experience. Oh, versus, like, the wizard staff? God, you... If you're drinking <laughs> along and you're drinking in a glass, this is uh, a sort of gotcha moment of, like, you gotta you gotta rethink it. It took me a couple months, but I finally have my girlfriend drinking out of a glass like she finally yeah. admitted was like wait there's a pretty big difference so so hold on so we we're hanging out last week <clears throat> the four guys if i were to bought like two or three of these 19 and a half ounce cans of atomic torpedo just split between the four of us is it doable yeah yeah that's reasonable even just yeah. two is is certainly reasonable yeah. if you're just doing around so so the other two guys in the podcast they had to consider their ladies which is what, you know, we didn't publish that podcast, but, like, you and I don't have the same consideration. Maybe if we had, like, four or five of these instead of, like, the crazy beers we had, you know, we could still keep our friends out of trouble with their wives. They're not doing too crazy. It's a good beer. It's got some body to it. Right? Mm-hmm. No one's getting arrested. No one's getting in trouble. It's all good. Yeah. Was there a point? Let me make it. your point. Okay. That's all I had. So this, this, by the way, was like if we had uh, 19 and a half ounce cans that are all 8.2%. Mm-hmm. That's my my play. So so like if you go to like a a, 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 a well, I won't say a soccer game, but like a Sacramento uh, you know, federal soccer game, they have the 19 point whatever 
counts cans of this versus gummy worms versus whatever. Or if you're going to your buddy's house, you're doing gambling, you're hanging out, you're, talking, you're watching a basketball game, you're watching a soccer game on TV. This, honestly, if, if someone were to give you options of like, hey, gummy worms versus uh, you know, pale ale versus there are 24-ounce Budweiser cans, and they said, hey, we got this 19.5-ounce uh, atomic pale ale, if you're going to have a beer and hang out and watch the game. I think this is a good play from Sierra Nevada. You know? Mm-hmm. I think this packaging and the volume, so specifically the volume, but also this beer, is not like too much of a slap in the face mm-hmm. if you're hanging out with your homies. Yeah, I'd agree. So go ahead and I'll let you speak if you want about the differences that glassware will make uh, okay. in your drinking experience. So, specifically honestly, for this kind of beer. Well, okay. So, for this atomic torpedo, I would honestly be okay drinking it straight out of the 19.5 ounce can. But we have split a can between two uh, 16 ounce uh, standard glasses. Mm-hmm. I would have to say, my experience in Sierra Nevada, even with just a pale ale, um, I would wait for the server to walk away and take a fork and just kind of stir it up a little bit, a little bit more oxygenation. Be, it being in a glass with a little bit more oxygenation um, has definitely livened up the beer. And I think it has helped us here with Atomic Torpedo in the same light. So, at this point, if you were to offer me, not in a glass, but in a can or in the original container of any of these beers we've had, I might go with regular Shinvada. That might still be the king. But we do have one more beer. Sure. Yeah, I will also add another point that when you see those fancy beer glasses where there's a narrow bottom and a bulb in the middle and then this like lip towards the top, that that glass is in fact effective for your drinking experience. Oh, some people, oh, yeah, and I hate yeah. when, when there's these like macho out dudes are like, "Oh, fuck you, bro! You can just give me my beer in a normal glass." Like, okay, yes, I could, but also it does change your experience of the okay. bulb in the middle allows for yeah. more aromatics to circulate in the beer. So, and the lip at the top allows for the bitterness of the beer to hit your tongue before it goes in the back. Yeah. Sort of giving you the full breadth of the experience because if you are drinking a hoppier beer and you're tipping it just to the back, you're actually missing out on the experience. Mm-hmm. Now, this is within the framework of you ordered an IPA or a double IPA or some kind of beer where tasting that upfront experience is going to nuance, nuance that experience in a way mm-hmm. where it's like, if I told you you went to Disneyland... And you didn't go on Space Mountain or Indiana Jones. And you're like, yeah, fuck, I don't care about those. I'm like, okay, but those are two of the most exciting rides. Or Jungle Cruise. No, stop. Jungle Cruise is not one of the most exciting Jungle rides. Jungle Cruise is the greatest ride at Disneyland I, in Southern California. I didn't say it wasn't greatest. I it's just said the, it's not one of the most exciting. I said I said it's the greatest. So you can say your thing. I can say that the Jump Cruise is the best Anyways, ride to go on. Okay. If I Anyways. told you you're going to Disneyland, you're only going to Disneyland, not California Adventure, you're only going to Disneyland, and you're not going to Space Mountain, you're not going to Indiana Jones. Do Jungle Cruise. And there's no Jungle Cruise. Oh, there's no Jungle Cruise. 
Oh, Did you get your money's worth? No, you didn't. That's okay, brutal. and that's oh. how I feel about. Oh. And that's how I feel about if you're drinking a beer out of the wrong glass, is that you're so, you've actually compromised your experience. So, considering, so so most of the Sierra Nevada options that we've had are available in six and twelve pack options, right? right? Between you know ten and twenty bucks. Per, per packaging allotment. Okay. Uh, I think the Atomic Torpedo was like three and a half dollars per 19 and a half can. Okay. Which is, it's, I mean, whatever. It, I haven't seen it in any other arrangement. So about that's about $2 the per 12 ounces. But a little that's, over. That's the only way to get it. Ounces. Okay. Right? Well, it just puts in perspective yeah. that if I was to say, hey, you're going to pay $12 for a six pack. Mm-hmm. About, you know what I mean? Which a six pack of Sierra Nevada is about twenty bucks right now. A six pack or a twelve pack? Twelve pack. Six so, packs about eleven, twelve bucks. Oh, you're right. So if you're about so. to pay twelve bucks for Atomic Torpedo, that's kind of maybe twelve to yeah. thirteen. Okay. That's that was my frame of reference. Yeah. So what would you pick? We still have one more. What would you pick? Oh God! At this point, it would be Pale or Tropical Torpedo. It hasn't changed. Well, again, yeah, tropical torpedo is—it's kind of the king, man. I'm not even gonna—I'm not even gonna narrow it down. It'd probably be pale ale. Still. So? Yeah. All right. Probably be pale ale. Yeah. I mean, if it was over the summer and you're like, "Hey, you want to split a six-pack of tropical torpedo while we swim?" Like, actually, yes, I do. Of course. But what if I said? You know, I bought four tall cans of this atomic torpedo. I'm not disappointed. No, it's not a bad choice. So they, I, I wish that I might actually prefer this to tor- torpedo. That's actually what I'm yeah. on. Is yeah, that's my point. So so not tropical torpedo, but regular torpedo. So it, the funny part is, is that there's no. Hold on. What's, what's the ABV for tropical torpedo? Do we ever check? Uh, 6.4? Check me. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm totally guessing. 6.0, I think it is. 6.0. So that's kind of the funny part. It, it goes in between. Pale ale to tropical torpedo. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about, that maybe well, Cervata has this gap in coverage. Well, it makes a little bit of sense. Well, that is your gap. That is yeah. your gap. This tropical torpedo. It's tropical IPA, not tropical extra IPA. Yeah. Yeah, but but at the same time, if you really taste closely, put this back maybe, to before we forget. Yeah, that's <laughs> trying to trigger you. But maybe regular extra torpedo extra IPA had some flavors that might lend itself as a segue between itself and tropical torpedo. If you really want to look close at that. You mean but atomic then, torpedo does? No, no, tropical. Or, I mean, tropical versus regular torpedo. But that's my point, is maybe that's why they made atomic torpedo. Oh, tropical to atomic to torpedo? Because technically, if you go by ABV, right, this is my whole thing, is extra IPA torpedo is higher ABV than tropical torpedo, mm. which is higher ABV than pale ale. Mm. And so, you know, pale ale, tropical torpedo... Extra IPA torpedo, atomic torpedo, and then we have one more variant, which is cold torpedo. 
Oh, the, the hindsight segment where we actually decide what order we should drink yeah. is it's going to be really interesting. But that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not even talking about I'm, I'm just talking about APB, right? Yeah. So we're talking about, does Sierra Nevada have a house IPA that's in between Pale Ale and Torpedo? And I think they tried to make Tropical that place, but it doesn't quite fit. That's my point. You're right. Only because, and we'll get into this more, only because if you think about the difference between Pale and Torpedo, Tropical Torpedo doesn't serve as a natural stepping stone, and neither does Atomic. No, but you have the three. Are you going to the bathroom? Yes. Okay, great. And then... All right, we got one more. <laughs> oh, the ADD is catching up to me a little bit. A little bit too. Same for me. DoorDash talk about? Probably. DoorDash <laughs> <laughs> <Tortoise> something. <laughs> Bruh. Cold torpedo. Cold torpedo. And so. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say. So, um, we grabbed the 12 pack. Of Sierra Nevada, which I haven't done in a long time. And I was walking through... I don't love this bottle opener, by the I, way. You know what? I, I should get another one. I, I have other ones. I just... I don't know if they're available. I do, like. I have opinions on favorite style of <laughs> bottle opener. No, so... So we're drinking uh, cold torpedo now. So I uh, was walking through 
store recently. And I said, you know what? Sierra Nevada used to have really, really awesome, like, summer mixed 12 packs of all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff. Or they had, like, fall 12 packs. They had spring, whatever. So, I was, I was saying it to myself. Like, you know what? Sierra Nevada hasn't had a really awesome 12 pack in a while. I'm really disappointed. And then as soon as I said it to myself, I looked down. I said, okay, here's a 12 pack. It's a mixed... Uh, Make topping this 12 pack so it's dankful torpedo pale ale and a cold torpedo IPA. So I immediately ate my words and grabbed it, and here we are. So, cold torpedo, and this is something that, that we've talked about a little bit where it's you know, normally single, double, triple IPAs brewed at 65 you know, degrees, 70 degrees temperature, you know. Uh-huh. So this is a cold. Oh, fermented. Yes, fermented. So this is a old torpedo that I would assume from Serenata is brewed with, um, you know, lager yeast or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they cool the temperature, so, like, you know, between 40 and 50 degrees, which is what they usually do their, their lager. Even lower, in. like probably 38. Yeah. So, okay. So, of course, me just having said that Sierra Nevada hasn't had a badass mixed 12 pack and I immediately looked down and see this one I grabbed a 12 pack and saved these beers so we just had one two three variants of torpedo and we've just poured a variant of cold torpedo mm-hmm cheers cheers you have to drink where it's bad luck if you smell this one how much more aromatic is this than the other I think more. It's more aromatic. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, it also has less uh, body, mm-hmm. like, decomp- like like on the back of your tongue. As you drink it, it doesn't last as long. Okay. It kind of fades more. But the hop flavor is more prevalent through the entire tasting process. Front, back of tongue, tongue uh, you know, throat, decomposition. I'd agree. Yeah. Similar to that of a cryo IPA, but not as much. But the body is a lot lighter. Agreed. It's not like do the face. yeast mostly. The lager yeast is going to help with that a lot. Yeah. Now, let's go to hop culture, hopculture.com, and this is what they say about a cold IPA. Mm. It was first pioneered by Wayfinder Beer in Portland, Oregon. Oh. Cold IPAs have popped up in the portfolios of revered breweries across the country. For instance, Weldworks, Necromancer, Rubens Brews, Alvarado Street. Hmm. Great notion and so many more. But what exactly is a cold cold IPA and what are and why are brewers so hot on them? So the first one was brewed by Kevin Davy. Hmm. Between 2017 and 2018. And so yeah. the, f- the first one chose to use rice and corn in the grain bill. Allowing the beer to keep a dry mouth feel. And use a lo- uh, lager strain of yeast. So pretty much for those of you that don't know what that means. Like 
beers like Budweiser or Michelob Ultra or Bud Light are so cheap because they use rice and corn as filler instead of true grain, which is also why they have fewer calories. And yes. so, essentially, this, at least the original cold IPA, was sort of a light beer with hops. A highly oh. hopped light beer. And then also, this original version was dry hopped. So, interesting. A cold IPA is an IPA fermented lower temperatures. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, it's an IPA. To me, it sounds like sort of a an extra crispy West Coast IPA. Yeah. You know, fermented at colder temperatures, giving it that crisp lager texture, which the crispness and the dryness was originally associated with a West Coast IPA. So it's just a crispier version of a West Coast. To me, at least in I, this one. I would agree, but also that it has less body because you have to consider that a West Coast IPA, like a double IPA, is like Pliny the Elder. Or an American IPA is like Left Eye Right Eye. Uh-huh. And this has significantly less body. Agreed. Right? Oh yeah, this is very much crushable. Oh yeah. This is great. This is a great beer. Yeah, this is... Oh. Uh, to be honest, I think... I don't love this drinking order, but what it did was, if you're drinking along, was set you up for this idea that you're going to battle through some builder- bitterness between Torpedo Extra and Atomic Torpedo and get to this cool torpedo and probably enjoy. Oh, oh. You want, you want this? Oh, I'm good. Okay, great. A little close to your leg, which is fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's um, it's Pride Week. It's Pride Month. Penis. It's fine. Um, Even if I did, it's, it's Pride Month. No, incorrect. Um... <laughs> No, Pride Month doesn't negate hold on, hold on, the wait, 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 wait. the need for consent. But then, what are these? Oh, fuck what they're those. If I don't say yes, you don't get to touch my penis. There's no way around what month it is. Hold on. No, hold on. <laughs> no, that's gaslighting. Is it? Maybe. I can't find them. Yeah, how convenient. How Dude, fucking convenient. I I had like ten. Uh, rainbow face masks. Are they pride bars? No, they weren't oh, pride bars. Cliff bars? This what is a white chocolate macadamia cliff bar. It's like, it's like I can touch your penis as long as I give you, you a go. power bar. There you go. Oh, a rainbow face mask. Oh, <laughs> now it's so okay. <laughs> it doesn't make it okay. Like, oh, I inappropriately touched you, but I gave you a rainbow face mask during Pride Month, so it makes it fine. I, I, like, <laughs> no, that's not how that works. That's how it works. Uh, no. I bought them. <laughs> I bought them from work so that you would feel uh, safe and comfortable wearing a rainbow face mask and you're, you know, whatever. Great. So, in the interest of our podcast segments that we're about to close with, I'm going to get rid of this thank you very much mega IPA. So we're just going to consider the five Sierra Nevada beers that we, we drank. Ooh. So we drank in this order. It is a spotlight. Pale Ale, Torpedo, Tropical Torpedo, Atomic Torpedo, Cold Torpedo. Which I do mm. love. 
in the sense that we start with the original and then work through the variants. I think that was smart. But if we were to drink this a second time through, I think there's a better way to drink this. So, in the interest of what we call hindsight. Oh, hindsight. Podcast, podcast segment, hindsight. Hindsight. If you were to drink this in what you think is the correct order, what order would you drink this? Oh. I might switch atomic and cold torpedo. Okay. And that might be it, dude. Like. Oh. <laughs> yes. That might be pale ale, torpedo, tropical torpedo, cold IPA, and atomic torpedo. That might be the order. Okay. So. Okay. But that's also like like we we like tropical torpedo and we like pale ale, but there's a context but we like them in. So Agreed. I don't disagree with throwing you. Throwing that out the window of what we drank today. That was my prediction. So what's yours? This we, is how I, this is having drank all five of these. If I was to drink these five again, this is the or, this is the order I would say we should drink these in. Which is what? Cold torpedo, tropical torpedo, pale ale, atomic torpedo, and then torpedo extra IPA. So you think cold torpedo is more palatable than tropical? And tropical is more palatable than pale ale. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I was willing to hear the argument that I should flip cold and tropical. I'm willing to hear that argument. I would be willing to hear the argument of pale ale to tropical. Or not tropical, but pale ale to cold. So pale ale is your first. Nope. Absolutely no? not. Absolutely not. not. I'm okay. not there. That's not even well, kind of where I'm at. Um, there you go. I think one of these two, just because of the lighter body, yeah, the, I think it makes more sense they, to leave with those. That's the funny part is that the cold torpedo and the tropical have a light body where you don't get that from pale ale, but pale ale does have the lightest body. Well, it has the, the less amount of ABV. And yeah. I think the, the extra but, presence of the grain... Amounts the, to the drink, yeah. If you were to be handed those beers, this is how you would expect the ABV to rank. That's what I'm saying. Yes, you wouldn't expect that pale ale would be number three out of five beers for ABV, for drinkability, smoothness. You know, well, rather it might be it might be the lowest ABV, but the third. What is the ABV in this? But that's my point. But this is seven. Yeah, that's so. My point. It's this like, has the third highest tied for, or it's the third highest ABV. This cold mm. torpedo has the third highest ABV. And I think we should lead with it. Yeah. Because I think it's, I like this, this cold IPA game, I think is a nice blend between, and hear me out. It's a nice blend between the West Coast and the Hazy game. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's. It's still got the dryness of the West Coast, but it doesn't hit you across the face, the you know, in the same way that hazies don't hit you across the face. No, this this cold torpedo was much more palatable and drinkable than the regular torpedo, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. All right, I'm gonna put these back in the order that we drank them in. Okay, but I'm just saying, like on a hot day, 
And that's the whole point of like like most people like uh, lockers because they're cold fermented. They're much cleaner, crisper taste, especially on a hot day. You don't have that complexity. I think if the Sierra Nevada pulled the cold torpedo out of that mixed 24-pack and they did like their own six-pack, it would do really well in the hot summer days because oh, I yeah. think that cold torpedo is a little bit more drinkable next to the pool or when you're barbecuing than the regular torpedo. All right, so I'm going to rank the cans. Ooh, all right. That's uh, it. Or rank the beers, I guess, rather, because they're all cans. Mm-hmm. God. Oh, this is really hard. <laughs> they're all torpedoes, except for, you know, the pale ale, but, you know. They're all really hard. Uh, okay. So, what if I give you context? I'm looking at my thermometer. Right now, it's 96 degrees in California on my balcony next to the pool. Does that help you with your ranking? It's 102 in Fair Oaks. Well, I live in Fair Oaks. I'll have you know. So? I'm 96 right here on my balcony. Okay. Five feet away from us. Okay. What, what, what's your ranking? That pale ale, tropical, atomic, cold torpedo, regular. And even this is a, I would, I would drink any of these four very quickly before I drink torpedo again. I don't even dislike torpedo. But I think that goes to our original point where Sierra Nevada. Is is not just a, a brewery too big for its britches. They still make craft stuff. They still make really small batch or not small batch, but like good stuff, like tropical, atomic, and cold brew, are not something that you would expect from large breweries. And they killed it. Those are great. Those are great beers. Yeah, I just yeah I can't escape. The Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is just old reliable. Like, it's old yeah. reliable. You're just going to be fine with it. No you matter what. It. Can't I can't beat it. You can't beat it. I can I can find beers. I can't beat it as far as a daily driver. Right? You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you were thinking about the car you need to buy when you have a wife and three kids versus the car. Like if you could buy any car in the world, the car you'd buy is wildly different than the car you need to buy if you're going to. Be a dude that has a wife and three kids. Like, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is... I keep wanting to call it Sierra Nevada, but they're all Sierra Nevada beers. That's, like, that's pale the ale, problem is Sierra Nevada is known for that Pale Ale. Yeah. Right? And, like, the Tribicle Torpedo is close, right? Like, so maybe you don't have to get the SUV. Maybe you get the crossover, right? Like, that's Tribicle Torpedo to me. Yeah. But, God, like, Pale Ale feels like that coupe. Or it's not pale ale, rather. Torpedo feels like that coupe. They were like, oh, I'm going to drive the coupe. And you're like, no, it's really not good for many things. Yeah. Versus cold torpedo, like, like if you're going to drink torpedo in the winter, I'd rather have Celebration or pale ale. And we didn't have Celebration on this podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, or if we were going to drink torpedo in the summer, I'd rather have pale ale or tropical torpedo or really any of these beers. Atomic is not a bad summer beer. Right? No, none of these are. Right? But like, if you gave me atomic torpedo or regular torpedo, 
next, like at a pool party, I'm mm-hmm. probably grabbing a tonic. It's a good beer. It's a it's a really good um, unexpected variant. All right, you rank them. So I, to be to be to be clear, oh boy. Uh, Pale Ale one, Tropical Torpedo two, mm. Atomic Torpedo three, Cold Torpedo four. Fifth was blank. Oh, excuse me. And regular torpedo was six. So, this is where our rankings get really interesting. Is that the only thing I would change is number five, uh, pale ale, right? Straight up. Number four, tropical torpedo. Wait, wait, wait. You want pale ale to be five? Yeah, well, it's number five. No, this is number, number one. one, number okay. two, number three, number okay. four, number okay. five, number six. Okay. Number one being the best. So, okay. Uh, well, let me start over then. Okay. I apologize. I, I misunderstood I was like, the numbers. Okay. Oh, we're going to fight. <laughs> we're going to fight. Jordan, I have, I bought a case of pale ale from my fridge. Is this true? This is where <laughs> got this pale ale. We agree on this one. This one is the one, right? So, right behind it, Tropical Torpedo. Um, even after having it today, I, I say yes. That's the best version of Torpedo that we've had. Oh, interesting. I would honestly not put Atomic ahead of Cold. I would kind of put them in third place okay. tied. But then fifth place would be the regular Torpedo. I'm but which is, which is funny because I, I really like regular Torpedo Extra IPA. And if I see it at a bar... I'll get a glass. If I, I'm like, hey man, what what's um, what am I feeling this weekend? I'm gonna get a six pack of beer. I'm gonna hang out. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get some torpedo. That sounds good. But then I'm not gonna buy a six pack of torpedo. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if but I'm at a grocery if it's at a bar, I don't hate it. But no, even still, like, well, I'm at like a liquor store or like a bottle shop or something. Like what am I? I don't want to spend a lot of money, but what's really good? Torpedo. I'm gonna buy some torpedo. Would you buy a six pack of torpedo before you buy a six pack of paleo? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cool. And I've done that many times. That's my point. I've done that a few times. Um, See, not saying. Well, but recently. They have both. I'm just. But recently, I have bought a couple days ago the twelve pack of paleo, which is what we used for this taste test. I would rather buy a twelve pack of paleo. The Twelver of Torpedo. Oh, absolutely. But, right? But if I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm, I got a crazy weekend. I'm going to be doing a little work. Maybe I'm traveling. Uh, I want a couple beers that are really good. Uh, six pack of Paleo versus six pack of Torpedo. It's a dollar more. I'm like, eh, maybe I'll buy Torpedo. There you go. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's not that it's better or worse. Uh, you know, I, I buy a 12-pack of, uh, we're talking about volume, a 12-pack of Pale Ale more than a 12-pack of Torpedo. But, like, say I'm working at my computer, or say I'm, I'm taking one beer down to the pool, it's a six-pack of Torpedo. But that's, I, I just like... One hopping. beer to the pool. Yeah, I like... Torpedo. I don't know, one beer at my computer doing work. Yes, it's Torpedo. But I also like a little bit hoppier beers. Hmm. So, if I was to buy a small volume to help me get through some work, I would buy a small volume of hoppier beer 
torpedo. Yes. Okay. Now, Small. let me put this in perspective then. Yes. Would you rather buy a six-pack of Left Eye Right Eye or a six-pack of Torpedo? Usually, I go for Left Eye Right Eye instead of Torpedo. Okay. But it depends on how often I can find Left Eye Right Eye because Track 7 has been releasing Hazy Panic. They've been releasing Double Hazy Panic. I don't want those. But if I want like a hoppy beer, it's it's usually between and I hate to say this, but but uh, torpedo and Elysian space dust. If I'm oh, buying okay. a six pack, I don't hate it. I don't, don't hate it. You can't hate it, but it's it's a hoppy six pack, small volume. They came in. I got a little bit of things to do this weekend. You know, here you go. I'm gonna spend some time at the computer, drink a beer, a little bit hoppy. And I don't know about you, but I I. Enjoy the hoppiness of the beer because it's kind of like an adventure with my mouth. It's like I'm going on like a little bit of a field trip. It's not just I'm drinking beer to have a buzz. It's like, hey man, this is complex. I like tasting all the hops. I like tasting all the things. A torpedo, um, space dust, left that right eye. Uh, also, uh, there's a couple others that I go between. You know, it's just if I'm buying a small quantity. I don't know if I'm buying this torpedo, but the torpedo cold. If if Sierra Nevada took this torpedo cold IPA and put it in a six pack, I might be very inclined. It's a very good beer. I agree, but I think if you put these all in six packs, I outside of I think Pale Ale would continue to sell the best. Yeah, but yeah. I think cold torpedo might actually be a second behind it. It's a good beer. It's a good well, beer. just the this cold IPA market has, well, rather the cold IPA niche, has found, a, a middle ground in this market where people who drink IPAs are going to drink it, and if you can convert the lager mm-hmm. drinkers, yeah, it's, it's not so foreign that they won't get behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty great. Well. Any closing thoughts on Sierra Nevada? Uh, When it comes to Sierra Nevada, the best bet is to always go to the brewery and to have the beers fresh and to go next door to the restaurant to have the food fresh because they have amazing food. I would agree with that. The food's pretty killer, actually. The pretzel with the beer cheese. Chris and I actually (sighs) used to do our own pretzel with the beer cheese. What about the hamburger with the beer and, cheese? And then take oh, the burger man. and actually, even though it has beer cheese on it, dip it wow. in the remainder of the beer cheese that I didn't use on the pretzel. Yeah. So so when the, the server comes to take your beer cheese, you slap her hand. Say, <laughs> so, no. No. It's my beer cheese. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I served in a restaurant for a long time. I like, whoo, I don't love that, but also kind of, yeah, agreed. Um <laughs> Yeah. If they tip you well. <laughs> you have to tip, tip well. You well. have to tip well. Yes. Okay. Um, I would agree with that. Well, um, so, future content coming out. Uh, we have an Urban Roots anniversary collection that we're going to drink through on That's a right. podcast. And potentially a great notion, a Portland brewery 
which might be the first non-California brewery spotlight that we're going to do. A great notion? I can that's a great notion. Yeah. Well, so my friend Nancy ah. went to Portland's and bought cans and brought them back for me. Okay. Now, whether or not they're the same cans that are distroed in the Sacramento area or if there's some variety, I actually don't know yet. And so maybe you've had them, maybe you haven't, but we'll drink through those soon and record another Great Notion Brewery podcast. So, what we might do is start posting ahead of time the beers that we drink. Mm-hmm. So that you can drink with us while we talk about beers. Sure. I dig it. Sweet. Well, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, we're almost three hours. Oh, uh, if yes, you stuck it out this long, thank you so much for drinking with us. Uh, if any questions, put it on our social media. And uh, fuck you, Logan. Love you, Miles. Uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, great. We'll see you guys next time. And uh, cheers. All right.